From the high desert and the great American Southwest and pumping out to you loud and crystal clear from sea to shining sea and all the way from pole to freezing pole and everywhere there is in between it is always my honor and great pleasure to welcome you to the kingdom of Nye, and I'm going to be your host tonight. My name is Heather Wade, and I'm sure everything you've heard about me is probably true. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to get weird, I'm pretty sure tonight's your night. You know, we always welcome that which is highly strange in the kingdom of Nye, but we're going to just take it right off the cliff tonight. We've got one of my very favorite guests coming on the show to join us tonight after the bottom of the hour break. Isaac Lindenberger is going to join us to talk about a journey from chaos to zen. And I'm not sure this is going to be exactly what you expect. But then again, that's my job, isn't it? Well, we will certainly find out as we rage through the night tonight with Isaac. He's a lot of fun. He's exciting. He's interesting. And again, this is going to get extremely strange tonight, so... You asked for it, and I have brought it, and here we go. <laughs> for a ride. Oh, yeah, yeah. You want to go for a ride? <laughs> oh, and besides that, I'm working on a lot of interesting shows coming up in the future. But tonight, Isaac Lindenberger is going to join us and... Well, I, I, all I can tell you is to kick back and get comfortable and just trust that I will take you there, that Isaac will take you there. So, This is the Kingdom of Nye with Heather Wade. And that's a threat. You know, I, <laughs> in this studio... When, when Ross comes on, by the way, thank you, Ross. That's a man you can count on right there. He's always there for us. The floor, his voice actually shakes the floor in here. He truly is the voice of God. And so uh, we've got a rather interesting message here from Vaughn that I think echoes my same reaction. Okay, I would probably be right there with Vaughn. We were previous to the break talking about uh, what it would be like if you were on a passenger flight and you saw a UFO out the window. And Vaughn says, here, I got to scoot over here. He says, if I saw a UFO while on a plane, I would probably react like John Lithgow in that Twilight Zone movie. All screams and terrified rantings, they would probably have to sedate me. Yeah, I'd, I'd be right there with you, Vaughn. And how much fun would that be to flip out over a UFO on a plane full of people? I mean, that just sounds like a good time to me. Uh, but then again, <laughs> we all know none of us here are quite right. Right? 
Allow me to introduce to you our distinguished guest for the evening. Isaac Lindenberger is a psychedelic researcher and host of the Lucid Truth podcast. He works with many professionals, including Dr. Rick Strassman, who wrote DMT, The Spirit Molecule, and Richard Lang, who wrote The Man Without a Head. Isaac Lindenberger has studied ayahuasca with the Church of Santo Daime in Brazil, attending their school of abstract thought to learn how to travel through different dimensions within the mind. Isaac Lindenberger enjoys discussing the inner landscape, the power and potential of psychedelics, and the mysterious nature of consciousness. And tonight we're here to talk about a little journey from chaos to zen. And this ought to be uh, very fascinating tonight. So without letting another second go by, welcome to the show, Isaac. I'm so happy to have you on with us tonight. Welcome to the show. Hey, Heather. Thanks for having me. It is good to be back on. It's been a while since we've talked last. It has. It's been a little while. But uh, in the meantime, that allows you to do the research into all of the very strange things that you are involved with. So at least when a little time like this goes by, it gives us something to talk about when we finally do get together. So it's great to hear your voice, though. Yeah, it's great to hear yours, too. And actually, if I think about it, I did talk to you earlier today, so I guess it hasn't been that long. It hasn't. It seems like it's been a whole entire week since I got off the phone with you and was getting ready for this now. It's a little bit of a time warp, I suppose. I could have, you know, we can't rule this out. I could have possibly been abducted right after I got off the phone with you and had an entire missing time experience, and I just don't remember. How would you know? You wouldn't have any way of knowing. And they do. Unless you could reconvene with that self that was transported. Well, maybe you can teach me how to do that. But they do say 90% of people who are abducted have no idea and don't even remember when it happened. So that, that could have been why it feels like so much time has gone. There's a thought experiment that's very similar to what you just said. Would you spend a week having the best time of your life, doing whatever you want, but you forget everything. You forget it completely. You don't remember it happened. Is it is it worth it? Is it worth having that experience? Man, God, you know, there's a movie similar to this. It's an older movie uh, called Paycheck. I don't know how many people out there have seen it or if you have seen it. Um, God, that's a tough one. That movie makes you think about this question. Uh, you know, I probably, I probably would, because you never know. Those memories can can resurface at some point, at some time, and even if I don't remember it, I always like having a good time. So yeah, I'd probably go for it and then do the mind wipe. Sure. Yeah, me too. It makes you think about what the value of experience is, if it's in the moment, living in the present, or if it's in the memory of the experience. And reliving it after. Mm. I guess both have value to a certain extent, but I'm with you. I would go as well. So it just reminded me, since you were talking about being abducted by aliens, I don't know how good of an experience that is to forget or how bad of an experience that is to forget. But well, I suppose either it, way, I guess it doesn't matter. Yeah, I guess it depends on the type of aliens that get you. Yes, and what kind of probes they do probably matters a lot. Right, what they're exactly up to. But that's what the movie Paycheck explores. 
you know, what are our, our, our lives and our personalities truly made of? Uh, it looks like my mic is a little low here, actually. Um, is it made up of the memories that we have, the experiences that we have? How important are those? And, you know, without spoiling the movie, it does come to the conclusion that, yes, all those little memories, like the happy little memory of seeing a little window uh, bird, sorry, perched outside your window, um, or meeting people and the memories we create with with people, this is what makes up the fabric of our lives. Um, so for anyone who hasn't seen mm. it, I think it's even on Amazon Prime, if I recall. I think Paycheck is on there uh, for Prime members to watch So, or probably out there on the interwebs to see. Uh, again, it's an older movie, uh, but I think people would get a pretty big kick out of it just because of what it explores. It also explores mm. a little bit of time travel, too. So it's, oh, it's will fun. I remember the movie? After I see it, or will I forget it and just have enjoyed it? You you may not fully remember <laughs> the experience. So three months later, you'll be flipping through, you know, whatever your streaming service is, and going, "Wow, look at that paycheck, huh? Maybe I should watch that." And it'll be brand new to you all over again. That's how it gets so many plays. Everyone forgets it. That's why it's so popular. They keep watching it over and over again. <laughs> that is a good strategy to embed that into your movie. I like that. That's how you get the rear in the seats for sure. It's wow, a- that is. Mm-hmm. It's so funny out there. It's such a such a interesting intro to this conversation because you called me earlier. And so what is the name of this again? What did you name this? Uh, From Chaos to Zen. That's right. You, you, you had that name and I thought it was great. And I was thinking to myself after we had talked, you know, what what to kind of discuss to talk about. And I it just came to me like this revelation. We should talk about tulpas. Then I called you back, and you actually knew what they were, which is rare. Um, and also, sometimes it's difficult to introduce the topic of tulpas because they are a lot like imaginary friends. But I'm curious, what what did you learn about tulpas, or how did you how do you think about what tulpas are? It's hmm, an interesting question, uh, for sure. Well, uh, Maybe I th- we could start with a definition. Yeah. Well, I think I come across it. When I was doing a little bit of further research on something that's known as the Philip experiment, uh, it was brought mm-hmm. up with one of my guests on one of my shows. And of course, after I get off the air, I go online and I'm doing a little searching. So I'm reading about the Philip experiment. And then I, you know, that led me to thought forms, which I'm familiar with, which led me then to tulpas, which led me then to the Reddit uh, subreddit of Tulpamancy. And uh, then I started reading about their experiences. And and I probably only have a cursory understanding of what tulpas are. But as I understand it, this is an ancient Tibetan practice that is now gaining a lot of traction with a lot of people nowadays that are interested in the paranormal. And it, it's a it's akin to a thought form, but it's got some different properties. There are differences between the two phenomena. And these tulpas become, I suppose, spiritual companions of the tulpamancers. Tulpamancers create and I don't know if they exactly control them, but I guess they manage them in a sense. And these tulpas spiritually reside with the tulpamancers and 
are companions of sorts uh, for these people. And that's about all I know. Yeah, that's that's right. So there's there's two different views on tulpas. There's a psychological view and there's a metaphysical view. The psychological view believes that tulpas are within the mind, like a psychological construct. And that's definitely at least true. I mean, they are experienced. People do experience tulpas at the very least subjectively. But there is also the metaphysical camp that believes tulpas are real outside of your mind. And they actually exist in some ethereal space. Um, I think both are plausible. I usually think about it in the psychological way because I know that they are experienced at the very least subjectively. But it's it's good to it's good to clarify that a tulpa isn't an imaginary friend because it sounds a lot like one. A tulpa is this autonomous entity that exists in your consciousness. It has its own agency and it's the product of intention. So you put a lot of thought into creating this being inside your mind and then eventually after enough time it pops into existence and it starts talking to you and communicating with you. And this sounds like an imaginary friend, but it's more developed. Um, an imaginary friend is more for children and usually it doesn't have its own agency or its own thoughts. It's just like a placeholder for thoughts. Like it's your teddy bear and you're just thinking edit. And it doesn't really, you know, I don't know how deep some people's imaginary friends are. So some people might have very vivid imaginary friends. So I guess tulpas are, friends in a sense that they're in your mind but they're not i don't know i don't think imaginary is the right way to look at them so then you mean to tell me that they actually manifest and they can affect tangible reality yes so that, that that's what's interesting is that so people will make tulpas for a variety of reasons they'll make them if they're most often people make a tulpa when they're lonely because it can act as a companion one way of thinking about it is like an author's fictional character. You know, if you're writing a story, let's say I have Pinocchio in my head. Pinocchio exists in my imagination, but I don't have a relationship with Pinocchio. I just think about him when I'm writing the book or something. But Tulpa takes that and you, you bring it into your life. You, you, you bring a connection between yourself and this fictional entity that no longer becomes fictional because it's embedded with its own agency. And it, I guess a good way to explain that, because it's kind of confusing, is an example. So maybe I'll make a tulpa to help me with um, maybe to read more. Let's say I don't read a lot, and I'm maybe lonely, so I want a tulpa for companionship mm -hmm. and to help me get my act together and read more. Well, the tulpa, after it's formed, might think about that differently. You know, it might say, I don't want to read. I don't, I don't like this kind of reading. I'm not just going to listen to you and do what you want. They actually have their own agenda. They can sometimes conflict with yours. Usually they're in harmony, but it's not like um, some trained servant of your ego. It's something more. Okay, so that's a real big difference between thought forms and tulpas then, because a thought form is more like, um, I guess, I guess it's it's more like, uh, sort of a programmed entity. So mm. I could make a thought form to, say, protect my front door. And that's his job. Uh, and he has a name. See. He has a description. He doesn't so much have a personality. A thought form is a little bit more like a uh, automaton in that I see. sense. I see. more directed. 
Yeah, you just program it for what you need it to do. And with thought forms, a lot of us practitioners will also, we can designate a time period for the existence of that thought form. So let's say I want this thought form uh, to be a big, burly guy that guards my front door, and he's going to be there for 12 months. I see. And, you know, they don't tend to develop their own personalities either. Uh, Easier to deal with. (laughs) Unless you ask them to, unless you program that in. So it's really up to the practitioner for what they want to create. If they, and, and we can program in anything we want. But this sounds very, Isaac, this is uh, much more involved. It almost to me sounds like creating a soul. I like that way of looking at it. And I think that makes sense because when you think about what a soul is, you know, you have an independent personality that has its own free will. And that's what a tulpa has. Like, it's not a thought form that's subjugated based on your will and your will alone. It has its own will. So is it really a part of your soul or your mind when it's got its own thing going on? I wouldn't say so. And, oh, my God, I have so many questions. Isaac, I don't even know where to start. So, uh, okay, are people using this phenomenon to help them out? Because, Isaac, the world has lost its collective mind, okay? Yeah. And people <laughs> are, wrong. yeah, and people are really uh, begin. well, I mean, it's been going on for several, several months now, but we're really coming to a head with depression uh, suicide, uh, suicidal thoughts, anxiety, um, all, all of these more negative aspects of the human psychology are coming to the forefront because of the stresses that we have around us and the uncertainties that we have around us are really bringing, I guess, some of the worst aspects of humanity into sharper focus. And, and right. I mean, to put it in plain language, you know, we're all kind of at our wits end here a little bit. We're all approaching. If we're not at the end of our rope, we can see it from here. And, and I think we're all like on edge a little bit, uh, some more yes. than others. And so this is a way apparently that people are, uh, using this phenomenon, using this tool of tulpas to deal with the world and deal with themselves. I mean, are people seeing positive results from this? Yes. So so one quick comment. Um, I think that the darker natures of the human psyche are coming into focus, not so that they can manifest and take over, but so that they can be seen and healed. Because if the unconscious stays unconscious, it's never going to become conscious. And I so at a collective level, I think we're purging out and, you know, we're, we're, we're dying to become reborn in a sense, but maybe that's my optimism, but that's how I choose to look at it. So well, that's why I wanted I, to I, talk I to you. It. No, that's an excellent point to bring up because what I think has occurred is we've sort of pulled the curtains back on what's really going on in our lives. And now we can see that the room is a mess. And when you actually get to clean it, yeah, you can clean it and organize it now. And when we're unaware of something, we just kind of carry on going along. Right, It's in the background or it's Mm -hmm. repressed. Yeah. Going along to get along. And this way, you're absolutely right. And that's such a good way to look at this. It gives us an opportunity to heal what we can now see that is in the light of day now. 
Exactly, because darkness can't exist in the light. You know, it just shines it away. Exactly right. Exactly. So this is a very strange way, though, to deal with some of the problems that we have. But, you know, I mean, I got I was thinking about this uh, as I was getting ready here tonight. Uh, sometimes you need to meet crazy with a little more crazy. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree with you. And that, you know, that's what puts a lot of people off the tulpas is they think it's kind of a crazy concept. And what they think about is dissociative identity disorder, which is formerly multiple personality disorder. And they think, you know, having multiple personalities inside of your head makes you crazy. But if you think about it, we all have different personalities inside of us. We're different around our parents and around our friends and we are alone you know, we exhibit different behaviors based on the circumstance. And a tulpa is just developing that in a concrete way and really a concrete way, you know, because it's not really the same as one of your subpersonalities. But it's not dissociative identity disorder. It's quite different because, one, it's intentional. It's not unintentional like DID. You don't really have a choice in it. Two, it's helpful. It's beneficial. It is something that lifts people up from the depths of their despair. And that's what the most common tulpa creation story is. People are lonely, they're depressed, they're suicidal and on the edge of their lives, and they say, well, why not make a tulpa if everything's going to, to you know, everything's going down the drain? Why not make a tulpa? And they make these tulpas, and they they are lifted from their depression. They find a companion that understands them like nobody else, because this companion exists within your own mind, so it's exposed to the complexities of your personal existence, and it can relate with you and sympathize with you and help you. So tulpas do seem to be tremendously beneficial for the people who make them and they're usually made in places of darkness and they seem to have this exceptional ability to lift people up and out of those states and to me i find that just so interesting and cool and awesome it's just an amazing thing to me that is incredible and what a fascinating aspect of consciousness this is uh, because I've read uh, different places, different people online talking about their experiences. And I just lurked, you know, because I thought I, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to get involved in the conversation, but I want to see what these people are talking about. I've heard some tulpamancers talking about a uh, little trial and error in the process of making their tulpa. But when they finally do hit the mark... They describe their tulpas as soulmates. Now, that's a very strong term to use for something that's just imaginary. And if it is just imaginary, well, if it's helping the person, because I also read about people that were helped. uh, They they quit drinking or they quit drugs or they started losing weight or they started cleaning their Mm -hmm. house and stopped hoarding. I saw uh, some people who thought before that they were unemployable now are employed and and have started careers. Uh, I mean, the list of things, beneficial things, is as long as your arm. Yes, you're totally right. And if you think about the psychological mechanisms behind some of this, the tulpa isn't just a companion for depression and loneliness, which is great in and of itself. But if you're trying to develop a new habit, let's say you're going on a diet, right? And you're two weeks into your new, let's say you're on a keto diet or something or whatever it is. And um, you're telling everyone you're on a diet. They don't really see you as on a diet until you're like six months in and you're super healthy. And then you get, oh, nice job on the diet. Then you get that positive reinforcement from others, even though to you, you're on the diet from day one. It's hard on day one through day two and day three. That's the hardest part is the start. And you're not getting encouragement by other people because they don't really see the results because 
you're just starting. But the tulpa is different because the tulpa does see it because it's from that inner perspective. And it can encourage you like, oh, I see how hard you're trying on this and I can motivate you. And it can become a source of positive reinforcement in the in the realm of behavior change. And, you know, maybe the tulpa will, you know, get its own idea of like, well, maybe it will comment on the behavior that you're it's helping you with. But, you know, most of the time they are pretty helpful with that voluntarily. This has got to be one of the weirdest things I've ever heard of. It's, Same. It's it's so and it's so fun to talk about with people who get it because sometimes I'll introduce the top like to my parents I'll introduce the topic to them and they're like, "You are just crazy." And I I understand that some people don't get it because there's just a stigma associated with imaginary friends I think and it's viewed as childish and people aren't willing to see the distinct differences because they kind of close it off right away. They're like, "Oh, that sounds crazy." And, and it makes sense when you think about it and you get deep into it. And I think people just have a mental barrier there very often. And that's like with a lot of the things that even we've talked about before, like lucid dreaming and, and psychedelics, you know, that barrier is there with a lot of people as well. But you can crack through it eventually, you know, give it a, give it a few tries. Well, it also speaks to the very power of our minds. If some people, like I've heard stories, I heard a story one time and I even saw some pictures of it of a young lady in China that could hold a plant seed in her hand and grow it in the palm of her hand. I've heard wow. of, you know, uh, psychokinesis, telekinesis, where people move objects with their mind. I've also heard of people that meditate to bring down the UFOs, and the UFOs show up. On this show, we've done mass consciousness uh, sessions on different things. And the power of the mind is not something, Isaac, that you can pour inside a test tube and measure right. it and run it through a gas spectrometer <laughs> and all of these things, right? And so exactly. if we don't see it on the surface, look at, okay, look at how we deal with mental illness. If, if mm -hmm. it doesn't show on the outside, come on, we're shallow, let's face it. If it doesn't show on the outside, if your face isn't black and blue, well, you look okay. You look fine. You don't look right. like you have PTSD. You don't look like you have anxiety. You don't look like you or have any of these things. So we dismiss it out of hand. Uh, but if you've got a compound fracture, well, we can see that. If you've got a cast on your arm or your leg, yes. we can see that and we sympathize with that. Or if we have, uh, say we come down with some sort of a disease that people do understand, say, um, God forbid, you know, I just come down with leukemia. Well, that's something people understand and they'll sympathize with that. But if you mm -hmm. tell them, God, you know, I'm so lonely that my soul hurts. You know, will you help me with that? Your friends will go, man, that sounds a little needy. I don't know. I think I got to go. Look at the time. I've got to go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and we don't address that. Yet loneliness and depression is such a problem right now uh, that there are entire online communities that just deal with and talk about how lonely they are. And it's having a real world impact on our society. So it ought to be something that we take seriously. And if people deal with it by making a tulpa, which I imagine is a strange uh, involved process, uh, look, more power to them. If that works and that gets them through it, uh, it's it's doesn't seem unhealthy. Of course, we have a lot to learn about this from you. 
but it doesn't seem to so far involve dangerous drugs. It doesn't seem to involve dangerous activities. It doesn't seem to involve hurting others. So what's the problem? I'm with you 100%. I think people become more open to it based on the way that you frame it. Um, One of the ways I've framed it pretty successfully is with the author example, where it's like, you know, you can... You can understand if an author creates a fictional character, that fictional character, you know, when they're writing it, they're thinking from that character's perspective. You know, Mm -hmm. if I'm writing Pinocchio, I'm thinking about Pinocchio and looking at the world through his lens. And if you open up with that and then explain tulpas, the correlation between those concepts seems to be the best way to bring up tulpas. Usually when I bring up it's like an imaginary friend, that doesn't go as well. But when I mention it's like um, some fictional character and then I make the connection to having a personal relationship with it, people are more open to it. So I guess it does depend on how you frame these things, too. you got to know your audience. Mm. Well, and it also, because I've recently done some interviews with a few actors, it kind of reminds me of how an actor can start to embody a character that they're playing. Oh. Yeah, you know, because yeah, exactly. I recently interviewed Tim Russ, who is one of my favorite people on Earth. He he plays Tuvok oh. on Voyager, and uh, I asked him, "So where's the line? How much Tuvok is there in Tim Russ, and oh, how much Tim say? Tim Russ is Tuvok?" And he said, "Oh, that line is very blurry. He is me, and I am <laughs> him." You know, so after a while, and he played this character for seven years. So after That's a so while. Cool. He begins to sort of have Tuvok within him. And then there's his personality, Tim Russ, but there's also this other side of him that is Tuvok the Vulcan. Exactly. You open up with something like that, and then people are more down to earth with relating to the concept of Tulpas because it just, you know, you've gone from something that isn't that crazy to something that still isn't crazy, but people haven't heard about before. Mm-hmm. So it's a good segue. Well, and that just clues me into this is something we should talk about. Oh, um. yes, definitely. <laughs> I have. I want to tell you about a story where I, it's, a, it's a whole story about me interviewing a tulpa and it going not so well and then going well. So oh. I'm excited to tell you. About All it. right. Well, let's take a break. And that sounds like a perfect plan, a perfect thing to jump into because awesome. yes, I just know a little bit about that. But what I know already is pretty pretty wild and hey i appreciate ingenuity and creativity and this is anybody has to admit whether they believe in this or not this is a very creative way and by the way we i don't know if we'll get a chance tonight but there is history to this this is an ancient practice uh but i admire a person who can be creative to solve their problems. And this is one of the cr- most creative tools I've ever heard of to truly uh, go from a chaotic, overwhelming life to Zen and being okay and just taking control and command of a person's life and being able to handle things. I mean, this is incredibly creative. So let's run to a break. And yeah, you. Man, you guys, this is really wild. Isaac Lindenberger here uh, actually interviewed a tulpa. And I'm going to go ahead and let him explain that 
Uh, but I think this here is a perfect song to sort of play on the topic tonight. So we'll run to a break, come back, and find out all about how in the world Isaac Lindenberger got to interview a tulpa. It's so weird. <laughs> You're going to love it. We'll be right back. I'm Heather Wade. Would you do this, I guess, is the question so far. Would you create a tulpa to walk with you through life? And yes, musically, I'm going to play with this entire concept all night tonight. But Isaac Lindenberger is our guest tonight, and he has a very fascinating story to tell us. Well, and... and, and <laughs> There's no way to really introduce this. Welcome back, Isaac. Uh, so what happened now? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Loaded question. Uh, a tale and a half here is ready for you, but it, it all started with a YouTube channel called um, Tulpa Guides, and I saw a video on it that was like two minutes long. It was called, What is a Tulpa? Tulpa was explained in under two minutes, and I was like, I've, I've got two minutes. I can... I can watch this real quick, and I've watched it, and, and he really explains tulpas in less than two minutes, which it took me like 15 just now, as everyone just witnessed, so I was I was really impressed. I was like, whoa, my mind was blown getting all of that slammed into it in two minutes. I was like, okay, this is cool, and he's got other videos on there that are good, but I wanted to talk to the guy who made the video, because it was informative, it was compact, and it was educational, real science-y. Right up my alley. So he had linked a Discord server in the end of one of his videos. And I was like, okay, I'll join this Discord server. I'll find the guy who made this video. And I'll learn more about tulpas. Because there are a lot of different ways of looking at tulpas in the community. And I liked this guy's specific take on it. It really aligned with my own perspective. The only problem was to join this Discord, you have to have a tulpa already. And I didn't have a tulpa. Oh, what an odd requirement. Okay. Yes, but there was one exception. If you are researching tulpas, you can join the server. And I am, I viewed my entry as research. It wasn't official yet, but I thought, okay, maybe I can pass on this. So I pitched to the server. I want to do research. And they let me in. And I, I found the guy who did these videos. So I, I message him and I'm, so we've talked before, we've talked about, the, we had the psychedelic shift episode, and we talked a lot about psychedelics and DMT and machine elves and autonomous entities. And so I thought, okay, machine elves in the DMT hyperspace are autonomous entities. They have their own agency outside of yourself, at least perceived agency. Tulpas are similar. They have their own agency as well, outside of yourself. So I thought, I'll tell him I'm interested in machine elves and autonomous entities, and he'll He'll be like, okay, cool, we're cool, we're, we're interested in the same stuff. 
And that is not how it went, though. That is not <laughs> what happened at all. I was shut down, Heather. I was shut so down. He said, you do not understand what tulpas are then. I decline your request to talk to me. I was like, what? Oh, no. Crap. My bad. I did not think that was going to be the reaction I got. He, he, what he, what he thought was that machine elves are so different from tulpas that me making the connection between the two showed I didn't understand them. And I thought that was writing me off pretty quickly, but I'm guessing this dude gets a lot of requests and I don't know. I was brushed off pretty quick, but that's what happened. I, it did not succeed at all. Hmm. Well, then how did you proceed? Well, I didn't at first. I just thought, okay, whatever. <laughs> this Discord server isn't for me. And um, I, it was like two months later, I was um, sitting in my, I don't know where I was. I was probably sitting in my room. And I was thinking to myself, just this spontaneous thought came to me. What if you were a new soul that woke up in your body? Like picture it real quick. Like imagine just being this fresh blank slate soul and just waking up in your current body. You'd be like, where am I? Um, Whose bodies? Okay, I guess this is my body now. What should I do with it? There's I a, was just yeah, thinking about that. There's a term for that. It's called a walk-in. Really? Oh, oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about a walk-in then. I thought it might be a useful way to reassess your life from a different angle mm -hmm. where, you know, you picture yourself as this new soul. What are you going to do to change your life in a beneficial way? It, you know, it's... um. If the self is a kind of story, then you might be able to change that story by the way you tell that story to yourself. And it might be able to help you lift yourself up from certain events. And I just thought about tulpas. I thought, man, this is so similar to tulpas. And um, it wasn't until I watched a show, that a movie that night. It was called Ghost in the Shell. Have you ever heard of it? You know, I think I did see that. Yeah, it's 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 this girl robot. And she merges at the she merges with this other robot intelligence and they become one. And so I, I promise you this is true. I had had this thought, this thought about the walk in, which is, I guess, the term earlier that day. Watch the movie that night and quote for quote at the end of the movie. She's like, I am a new soul fresh in this body. And I was like, what the heck? I was just <laughs> thinking about that. And it just showed up in a movie I watched later tonight. I was so inspired. I was like. This is a synchronicity. There's some reason that this thought came to me. Maybe it has something to do with the tulpas. So I thought, okay, all this just happened. I'm going to give that Discord channel another shot. It's been a few months. Maybe they've forgotten about me. You know, maybe they you know, aren't <laughs> mad at me. or not. They weren't mad at me, but maybe they're not, you know, uh, abrasive is the right word. Yeah, maybe and not so taking I, you serious just yet. Okay. Exactly. So I thought, you know, I'll give them another chance. It's, it's been long enough. And um, instead of messaging the, the video person who's the founder of the Discord, he's the admin. He's the big guy who I guess I got off on the very wrong foot with. Not the best guy to get off on the wrong foot with considering he's in charge of everything, but whatever. Um, I posted in one of their threads I'm not totally familiar with Discord, but it was one of their channels. And I introduced myself as a researcher. I said, yo, I want to talk to someone who knows what they're talking about with tulpas. And I want to interview them for research. And I got one response by Bezel. And Bezel is a tulpa. And so Bezel has a host. I think the host's name is Jake. But Jake was in the background. And Bezel was in the forefront. 
So I haven't mentioned this yet, but there's a thing in Tulpas called switching, where you can develop a Tulpa, and once it has its own personality, you can switch roles with it, and it can have full control of your body. You voluntarily give this up to it. It's, it's your choice to surrender your temporary agency to the Tulpa, and that's what Bezel does all the time. Bezel switches between Jake and Bezel, and, you know, you kind of sometimes have to ask who you're talking to, depending on the situation. And I was speaking with Bezel, and Bezel, the Tulpa, not the host, agreed to talk to me. So this happened on, like, a back channel. Maybe the admin didn't see it, thankfully, because, I don't know, maybe he would have interjected. But I, I got Bezel. I got Bezel, and I had a conversation with Bezel. And that's actually the last episode on my podcast, The Lucid Truth, is Tulpa Therapy with Bezel the Tulpa. And it was insane. This is just getting weirder and weirder. Uh, so, okay, so you're not talking to the human that is Jake. Yeah. You're talking to an entirely different entity now, and this is just for clarification. This is not possession. This is not channeling. This is its own thing. Uh, and this is also clearly not a thought form. Um, this right. is just in the world of Tulpamancy, and this sounds rather advanced as far as even Tulpamancy goes. So uh, wh what did Bezel tell you about himself, or is Bezel uh, a he? Bezel, I believe Bezel is a he, and what's interesting is it's not just Bezel in this system. It's a multi-Tulpa system. So you have Bezel, you have Jake, the host, and you have other Tulpas that interact with all of the beings in this system. And they'll change roles, they'll interplay with each other, they'll talk to each other, they'll, they'll switch who's in charge, all of that stuff. And I thought that's fascinating. Not only is this person switching between the host and the Tulpa, but they have multiple of them. And they all interact with each other. It's fascinating. Is this dangerous, Isaac? Uh, well, okay, that's a good question. So I actually asked Bezel that um, because I thought it would be useful to mention, are there any downsides to this? Because we were talking about how tulpas could be used for therapy, how they can be used to lift yourself up from depression and loneliness and you know, be a companion that helps you out and is always there for you. All the good stuff. But then mm -hmm. I, I thought to ask, what about the bad stuff? And he told me about, it's rare, it doesn't happen often, but there was one guy who had a tulpa, and I guess he had used a lot of DXM, so this oh, wasn't somebody no. who was totally sober and in a clear mental state. But he had made a tulpa and didn't want it anymore, and it, this isn't that bad. He just wanted to get rid of the tulpa. And I just thought this was interesting, because how do you get rid of a being that's within your own mind? It's It's weird. So what this tulpa, or this host, I guess, tried to do was he, he took the tulpa, and um, I think he buried it, and it came back in like two days. So then he thought, okay, I'll just send you into space. And he loaded this tulpa onto a shuttle in his mind and just blasted it off. And it came back a few days later. And if you think about what's going on, you can't get rid of a thought form, or not a thought form technically, but a ball of thought, I guess. You can't get rid of it by thinking at it. You're just going to give it more energy. The attention on tulpas is what makes them real. So what he ended up doing was he sent it into a black hole that disintegrated the tulpa into pure information and never thought about it again. And then it never came back. And I just, 
I'm sitting here listening to this whole story and I'm just like mind blown. I'm like, okay, what? Like he's getting rid of a tulpa and then he can't do it. And he sends him to a black hole and that works. Like I'm just shocked at this story. It was such a (laughs) ride for me. It was, it was incredible. That is bizarre. Well, did Bezel by any chance give you any history behind the phenomenon or does Bezel enjoy being realized? Uh, I have so many questions uh, and 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 w- was there a way to tell the difference between Jake and Bezel, or did you even get an opportunity to speak with Jake? I didn't even talk to Jake. Only Bezel. Okay. But Bezel spoke very highly of himself. It'd be it'd be interesting if Jake viewed it differently. Like Bezel's like, oh yeah, Jake loves having me, and Jake's like, no, I don't. Like, <laughs> I highly doubt that. That's very rare that there's any um, disparity amongst tulpas, other than things that are like you know, more minor than anything. Like you want your tool, but, uh, you know, do something. And it's like, I'm not going to do that, you know, cause it's got its own will, which is awesome. But That's things like strange. that are usually on the same page. That's a very strange aspect of this entire phenomenon. Now, does Bezel understand where he came from? I, I actually, I think so. Um, because Bezel was explaining his creation process. So I'm guessing he's getting that from Jake and, um, yeah, I think he does understand. And interestingly, Bezel participated in a study on tulpas at Stanford. This is the only study that I think they've done with tulpas so far. And I was like, crap, they're ahead of me. I was hoping to do the first research on tulpas. But, you know, I'm just kidding. It's good that we're doing research. But um, the study was cool. They were trying to find the neural correlates with tulpas in the brain. And so when you activate your tulpa, they were looking for in the brain scans where in the brain is activated, and if it's different than when you think about imaginary friends or when you think about your family or anything like that. And so they're trying to prove that tulpas are a distinct phenomenon with neuroscanning, neuroimagery. I thought, wow, that's awesome. The results haven't came back yet, but it's kind of a way to prove that tulpas exist. The people who are scientifically minded, who might think that, oh, you can't convince me of something until I see the data. Well, here's the data, and now what? Yeah, exactly. And... You know, it has been discovered that there is a psychic area of the brain. Uh, when it comes to this phenomenon, I would imagine there's going to be certain areas of the brain that light up and others that go a little dormant. Uh, I, I would imagine there would be distinct neuro differences in the presence of the tulpa. Uh, yeah. but did, so Bezel explained to you his creation process. Is there anything you can tell us about that? Yeah, so so Bezel had been created by Jake when Jake was in a period of intense depression. And Jake was, he told me that he was wondering about why to even live, you know, what the purpose of living is. Very nihilistically themed thought, you know, very depressing mind state. And, you know, a lot of us are there. It happens. It's part of the human experience to a certain extent at one point or another. And um, Bezel had been there, and uh, Jake had been there, and... um he decided to make a tulpa. He had known a little bit about it, was hesitant at first because he didn't really know whether or not he should make a tulpa. And the way that you make a tulpa is a, a good way to do it is you envision its its shape. So if you picture your tulpa as a ball of light, it takes more time to develop and hear a thought from it. But if you imagine a, a figure or some kind of distinct form, then the tulpa is more likely to be able to respond to you quickly. And 
when you're making a tulpa, it can be confusing because sometimes you don't know if you're hearing your tulpa for the first time. You know, tulpa mancers, they're looking for a response to know, is my tulpa talking to me? Am I just talking to myself? And a lot of times they're just disregarding thoughts that they have in their mind that they might think are the tulpa, but might not be. And um, it takes about two weeks to actually know that a tulpa is trying to communicate with you. But um, I think with Bezel, it took about a week. And so he was watching out for thoughts that might have been Bezel, wasn't sure if certain thoughts were his or Bezel's. And after about a week, he was able to distinct like, okay, this is me. This is Bezel, at least the start of Bezel. And the personality started to take form, started to take grounding in his mind. And then a thought form, or not a thought form, but a tulpa started to fully develop and have its own agency. And it's kind of like a kid that develops very quickly over time. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to take, you know, a human life to develop. You know, you don't have to wait years until a tulpa starts talking to you. It usually takes about two weeks, but sometimes it can take over a month. But I think with Bezel, it's about a week. So I think that kind of gets into, I'm glad you asked, because that explain some of the creation process and what to look for if you do decide to make a tulpa. Yeah, because you know some of the people listening to this are going to say, huh, maybe that's what I should try. And then they're going to want to know what is the process to get that done. Uh, This is really reminding me, like we were talking earlier today, this is really reminding me of a a trilogy of books by Anne Rice starts with The Witching Hour, and the second book in the series is called Lasher. Uh, but but <laughs> uh, this sounds a lot better than Lasher. Lasher was rather dangerous uh, to, to just give you the shortest version of that possible. Again, it's three very thick books about the adventures of dealing with this one particular spirit, Uh, This witch just conjures up out of the wind, and then it's a companion to this family on down the generations. So I'm wondering, uh, is this something that can be passed down? Like, say, a father, like this young man, Jake, let's say he has a son. Will he pass Bezel down to his son? That is a very actually that's funny. I haven't thought about this in about a year before I interviewed Bezel and all this stuff happened with the with the Tulpa Discord and all that crazy stuff. But um, I was thinking about this about a year ago, two years ago maybe. And um, the, what I what I saw was most people couldn't get Tulpas to switch between host. Um, it hadn't been observed, but I think it's possible. I think it makes sense that you could trade off a Tulpa between different hosts. And that would actually be interesting if you were somebody who believed that tulpas were metaphysical and not just strictly psychological, then showing that a tulpa could bounce between hosts would be evidence that it exists outside of an individual's personal psyche. And, you know, that might be an interesting experiment to run either way. Yeah. Well, yes, absolutely. And then it makes me wonder, uh, are the tulpas um, sort of... (sighs) How do I explain this? Uh, spirits that are already floating around in the ether, and then we are actualizing them by giving them a name and a form and energy, or are they purely out of the individual? Is this a part of the individual, who the creator, the Tulpamancer? Is it just their energy 
that is now taking on this form? Is it a part of them, or does it come from the morphogenic field out there? That's a good question. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I don't necessarily take a side there, but I think both are possible. Um, you know, it's interesting. What if the ether thing made me think of this? What if you were? What if you pass away and you're waiting in the ether to reincarnate, and then you reincarnate into a tulpa in somebody else's system mm-hmm. in in your spiritual rebirth? Like yes. that would be because we always think we're going to reincarnate into a, another human or maybe an animal, but never as a subset of another conscious being. That is right. very fascinating. Thought. Well, that that's what Lasher is about. He was really? a spirit. He was a, a a being, a person that had died. And he's out there oh. floating around, and his life is very lonely out there, and he he doesn't really have that much of an experience until this witch comes along, and she she conjures him up, gives him the name, and he coalesces, and now all of a sudden oh. he's got this form, and of course he falls in love with her because really? she gave him life and a purpose and and uh, and souls to be attached to <clears throat> and that's why he sticks with the family on down the generations because uh oh. he's so grateful and he again he's dangerous <clears throat> in the book but he's also incredibly helpful he makes their family the Mayfair family uh incredibly rich throughout that's- so the cool. generations he makes them rich he gives them business opportunities um oh it's a whole involved uh it's a whole involved thing but the story as a practitioner has always fascinated me uh because how possible is this uh kind of a phenomenon so it made me wonder about that but uh did just out of i don't know just this is plain old human curiosity did Bezel have an accent? I n- didn't have a foreign accent, but I, I am now curious because I didn't ever speak with Jake. I'm curious if tulpas sound differently. I did yeah. see once in the tulpa community that if your tulpa has the same inner monologue voice as you, it's harder to distinct between yourself and the tulpa. And if you give your tulpa an accent or you give it its own speech pattern or you know, something that's unique about its style of speech, it's easier to develop and it develops faster and you get a quicker response from your tulpa. So it seems to help in the creation process if the mental voice of the tulpa is different and distinct than your own. I don't know how that would affect the vocalization of the tulpa, but at least in the inner monologue, it's good to have it different. Well, this is very new to me uh, with this tulpa phenomenon. I did not know that they could actually embody the host, take over their body, and then have their own interactions with people, such as you did. You, yeah. you, you had an interview with this being. Essentially, Isaac, think, now think about this. You essentially had an interview with a being from somewhere else. And it was an awesome interview. Bessel is so cool. I am so grateful Bessel decided to speak with me because bezel is awesome and bezel okay the founder of the discord who didn't i got off on the wrong foot with is cool but i'm glad bezel was more open to giving me a chance because uh, on my second try i was like am i just gonna get shut down again Mm -hmm. but i'm just genuinely curious about this topic and um 
Pezzle gave me a chance, and I really, I really appreciate that. So he was warm and friendly, has a sense of humor. What? Bessel was great. Bessel was a joy to talk to. And Bessel shows you how tool buzz can be so beneficial because Bessel is so cool and uplifting. And that's what Bessel did for Jake. And that's even what Bessel did for me and the people who listened to it. So I guess it shows you how tool buzz can be very optimistic. But they're not, they're not always. Tool buzz aren't. They have their own personalities. So sometimes a tool could be suffering from depression. And that's interesting to me because if you are... For example, helping other people through depression is a good way to help yourself because when you lift up others, it lifts up yourself. So I can imagine a scenario where a tulpa is down on its luck and the host encourages the tulpa and they lift each other up together. You know, I I think it can go both ways. It's not just the tulpa lifting up the person, but it can go vice versa as well because these relationships are dynamic and they're deep and they're not cookie cut. Oh, and relationship is the word here. This is not a uh, a trivial thing at all. Uh, and these people usually, I mean, from what I read, uh, they get into this for life. I mean, I saw some comments from people along the lines of, uh, I've been with my tulpa now for three years, four years. It's changed mm-hmm. my life. Um, I've been with my tulpa for maybe eight months so far, and it's been great so far. So much has changed in my life. This is definitely a real phenomenon. And in my mind, it, you know, to, to see the little happiness or even a lot of happiness brought into people's lives from such a strange phenomenon as this, uh, I can do nothing but applaud that as weird as it is and being weird i'll applaud that even more vigorously yeah me too i'm, I'm so with you because it's so cool <laughs> and it's so unique it, it adds a factor and element to it that's just fun it's just really fun well, to it's talk a, about with people yeah. who are down to talk about it with you and it's 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 an exciting field too because it's very well new yeah and this thought it's just not a, new but it's new in the culture it's new to to us in the modern t- time well, and this right. just occurred to me. What if, now this is a hypothetical scenario, but what if a person had a very haunted house and they just cannot deal with it? It's very much disrupting their lives and they make a tulpa. Would the tulpa be able to interact and deal with the ghosts? That would be interesting. I think it would be cool to do... um to have somebody who has a haunted house and see, I, I bet it would. I would, I would lean towards the tulpa being helpful in that respect because it seems like, I mean, I guess you can't just, you know, when it comes to that kind of thing, the tulpa is going to be doing it with you. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to be willing to encounter what's haunting that space yourself as well. You can't just say, okay, tulpa, you take care of it. But together, the tulpa can give you the encouragement that you need and maybe the spiritual prowess, because if it did come out of that ether itself, it might know how to navigate it better. Mm-hmm. Um, it creates a team that's more likely to be able to handle the obstacle that's in front of you. And I think that can be applied to just about anything, a haunted house, a personal problem, you know, a, a depressive state, or even just a math problem. Maybe you made a tulpa that's a lot better at math than you. Now that would be awesome. <laughs> well, sure. Or you know, we encounter so many, so many problems in our lives uh, from day to day 
uh, I guess the possibilities with this would be endless in a sense. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the things you've heard uh, that tulpas have helped with with people? Most of the time I've seen that tulpas help with low states, states of of loneliness and depression, but it's it's beyond that because tulpas can help to form beneficial habits. So if the tulpa is willing, you can use a tulpa to self-actualize yourself, to become the person you want to be. Because if you are bound up by a story of yourself that's limiting in some sense, say, for, I, I use this, the example of the other day. I've always told myself I can't draw since high school. I can't draw. I'm not an artist. Uh, but my friend invited me to paint the other day. And I thought, you know, me telling myself I can't draw is just a story I tell myself. It's not like it's necessarily true. I'm just going to change that story. And I just started telling myself, I can draw. I'm a great artist. I just changed the structure of the narrative that's going on in my head. And it worked. I actually created something that was pretty cool. It wasn't like a, a Picasso, but I was really proud of what I was able to make. And all I had to do was switch the story I was telling myself. And that's what I think tulpas are doing in a way. Because you're changing the story of your, your self-narrative, which can often limit you because I'm not any good or, you know, something that you tell yourself that brings you down because you believe it's true. But mm -hmm. it's just something you're telling yourself. And a tulpa can be the catalyst for a new story for, oh, I can do this. I am worthy. I'm capable of love. And the tulpa can see it and it can encourage you, too, as you're thinking those thoughts and developing the tulpa. It can become a synergistic relationship where you're sharing in the growth that previously you weren't able to achieve because of this deeply rooted story that's limiting you. It just brings a new world of possibilities to what were previously limitations in life. Oh, God. And, you know, this sounds like such an intimate connection that tulpamancers have with their tulpas that they have created i mean this is not a superficial connection at all this is deeply intimate and you know isaac i think this is something we are largely missing out on lately uh here we've got all these wonderful communication tools and we are getting lonelier by the day and this could be a way to have an intimate connection with another it's weird to say this sentient being yeah, that's exactly. with you all the time. You know, that's why I kind of played that song, Let's Stay Together, sort of a play on Ooh. what we're talking about, because that's essentially a part of this entire phenomenon, this intimate connection. That's the theme that I noticed when I was lurking in some of these groups and forums is they just thrive on the intimate connection, and you said earlier about the tulpas, how they understand a person, uh, they they walk with the person, they're there with the person uh, through life and experiencing what the tulpamancer is going through in their life and being um, a companion along the path. And again, this is this is the intimacy that we are missing nowadays on the some of the groups I. Um, I uh, follow where they talk about being lonely. You know, some of the posts are right to the point, Isaac. They just talk about, you know, I wish I was loved by someone. And a tulpa might mm -hmm. be more of a, a friendship kind of a thing or a companion kind of a thing. But, you know, that connection with an entity like this would 
after a time, start to feel like, hey, somebody cares about me. This It is deep. Uh, yeah. yeah, and this... it turns into love sometimes, too. It can, it, it can actually develop into a relationship. There are some tulpas who are married with with their host, actually. What? Which is, that usually takes a long time to get there. And mm -hmm. it's funny because the relationships progress at a similar rate to human relationships. They start out as friends. Then they end up potentially dating. And then they end up in a relationship with one another. And if you think about it, the tulpa does not have many fish in the sea to express its sexuality and its romantic interest. It's got the host. That's pretty much it. That's its limitation. So, of course, you're going to be an outlet in that sense. And not everybody, about 50% of tulpa hosts, I think, have a personal relationship like that with their tulpa. And the other 50% have it as more of a friend and companion. And I think both, neither are wrong. It just depends on who you are and the relationship between you and the tulpa, just like your relationship with other people. I well, view it sure. the same way. Sure. And what your needs are, I would imagine. If some, if that's yes. what somebody needs, that kind of love relationship, then perhaps... You got it right there. Yeah, that will develop. If a person needs an intellectual companion, then that would develop. Uh, so this is really unique because it can almost be tailored to the individual's needs. And, yes. you know, Isaac, even th I'm not even sure therapy does that. And this sounds a hell of a lot cheaper than therapy. Yeah, that's why we called it tulpa therapy with um with bezel. That's uh, that's what we coined up with. I don't know. It, it's totally free. And like like you said, it's not just more effective. It's also permanent. You know, you go to a therapist once a week. The tool was with you all the time. So that level of Every intimacy day. and deep connection with the internal intricacies of who you are. Honestly, if you think about it, no other human being really knows you. I mean, you can have beautiful marriages and, and relationships and great friendships with people, but none of them exist in your inner mind and see it from your mind's eye. But a tulpa does. So I, I honestly feel like a tulpa is a deeper level of connection, potentially, than you can have with other people in its own way. It's not to say that it discounts or is better than deep personal relationships with other humans, but it's just there's a, there's a level of connection and depth that just seems to me unmatched because it's inhabiting the same inner world. Wow. You know what's strongly coming to mind because look we've lost uh what now are we up to half a million in the united states from the pandemic lost souls that means there's a lot that means there's 500,000 people out there just in the united states that's just our country that are grieving a loss and not to mention uh look besides covid uh people pass away from different things uh, every year and it's hard. Mm -hmm. It's very hard. Let me tell you, from a person who uh, has dealt with grief, still dealing with grief, this is one of the most difficult things for a person to go through. So I would imagine that a tulpa could be an ideal tool to help a person deal with grief. Uh, it might even be more effective than my method, which is communicating with the other side. Um, and, and that's hit or miss, Isaac. <clears throat> you don't always get a response from the other side. 
Uh, but with a tulpa, I would imagine that if they're there with you all the time, that you'd have this interaction. And isn't that another aspect of this that we can talk about? How do tulpas communicate with their hosts? Oh, that is a great question. So actually, I have um, – so um, I'll probably talk to you about this during the next break, but I'll mention it briefly now. Um, so there are there are secret research. I, I, I feel like I'm being so uh, sensationalist when I say it like oh, this. Oh, go right one, ahead. We have fun around here. True. Be sensational. I, I don't okay. mind one bit. <laughs> okay, I'm going to go for it then. I have secret research. It's not necessarily secret, but I have research that nobody else has seen on Tulpas. Five studies that were done in the Tulpa Discord channel that I was so graciously welcomed in. Well, it sounded sarcastic, but Bezel did welcome me pretty graciously. At least Bezel did. Um, but I, I barely got in because of my researcher status. You're supposed to be a tulpa or have a tulpa in your system or be trying to make one mm -hmm. to join this Discord server. And they have this research, five research studies where they did these questionnaires that they distributed amongst the tulpa community. And they, their research is amazing. They had t-tests. They had p-values. These are statistical terms that are, you know, professional statistics. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They did some real research on this. They put some real effort into it. And it's not published anywhere. It's just in this Discord server. So I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like secret research on tulpas that nobody else knows. I'm, I cannot wait to dig through this. And um, in one of those studies, they determined how tulpas first respond and communicate with their host. And there are seven different ways, I think. And um, let's see. I actually have it right here. I'll just tell you the tell you the ways, and um, we'll get more into the research later. Sure, but. This is this is good to start out with. So 25% of the time, the most common way a tulpa communicates with you is through emotions. People can sense the tulpa's own emotions that are distinct from the person's. And I don't have a tulpa. I've considered making one a few times, but I guess maybe for my own research purposes, for now, I don't want to have a tulpa because I don't want people to think, oh, he's interested in tulpas because he has one. So right now I don't have one, but maybe one day in the future I'm very open to the idea. Anyway, 25% of the time it's through emotion. So I'm guessing that happens because, you know, maybe you're feeling angry about something and then suddenly your tool is feeling love. And it's like, oh, I wasn't feeling love. What, What is that love coming from? Oh, it's not me anymore. It's not just me in the system. It's coming from the tulpa. And that's the most common way. This is a sample of 104 people, by the way. So... It's, it's That's pretty a generous good, pretty sample size for a study, actually. For for a study that was self-run by the Tulpa community, I think so too. I was pretty impressed. So yeah. that's the most common way. Um, but then the the next one is twenty one percent. It's one or several words, and then fifteen percent sentences are better. So most of the time it's through emotions or words, which can be a few words to a sentence. That's over fifty percent of the time. Then we have the less common ways. I won't worry about the percentages. They're all around 10 um, raw thoughts slash intention moving their form independently. So the tulpa, you know, you have a like maybe your tulpa is in the form of, you know, maybe a cat or something. You know, it starts moving its form independently on its own. You weren't trying to do it. Um, there's other then there's head pressure, which I just think it sounds so funny, like just banging on the door like I'm here, I'm here, like pushing against the skull, like. Please notice me now. That's, that's a great way to notice it. And uh, the bottom surprised me. 
dream encounter at 3%, the least common way. And as a lucid dream researcher, I was like, okay, well, nothing wrong with that. But I mean, that would, at least it's on there, I guess. I mean, it's really cool. Can you imagine? That's the coolest way to me. Imagine trying to make a tulpa. You don't see it in real life, but then in a dream, it's like, hey, I've been here the whole time. Then you wake up and you're interacting with it. That's just so awesome. That's very spiritual. It's incredibly spiritual, uh, and and it and actually that does not surprise me. Communicating through dreams, uh, this happens in Same. other forms of spirituality. Uh, we communicate with our spirit guides through dreams, our uh, our spirit animals, our loved ones that have passed. We communicate in dreams. We have precognitive dreams, psychic dreams. So why wouldn't the, the topomancers? communicate with their tulpas also in the dream world i mean it makes exactly it makes perfect sense to me right it makes sense to me too and the the last part that's interesting about this study and i can't wait to get into the other ones with you because i feel like i'm bringing the world the secret research it feels really fun but um so 50 percent of the people who participated in this survey thought that the tulpa tried to connect with them previously but they missed it because of skepticism or doubt so they think that the tulpa tried to connect with them, but they brushed it off as one of their own thoughts or just a random thought. But it actually was the tulpa poking its head in, and they just didn't realize it until maybe the second or the third time. Well, this really has some strong parallels with spirit communication. Uh, but I do understand that this is a different phenomenon, but I do find it very interesting uh, so that's similar too. You're not sure if a spirit in this in that realm will respond to you until maybe a few tries. Uh huh. Yes. Oh, incredibly common. Sometimes you may have to try, and with spirit communication, uh, you'll need to designate a certain day of the week and a certain time of the day or night. So let's say. Every Tuesday and Thursday at 10 o'clock at night, you're going to try to contact a certain spirit. And you do this week after week after week after week after week. And when there's finally contact, when there's finally a response, it's a big moment. It's a big deal. And uh, that's very interesting that they overlap on that aspect. Uh, but That I, is really interesting. Yeah, they but, seem to on many levels. Yeah, but this is its own thing because spirits uh, have been incarnate before, usually. They've been a human incarnate before. We They already have a personality, the personality they had mm -hmm. in life. Uh, this is entirely different where a person is creating them. So do they imbue the tulpas with a desired personality or do the tulpas, because it sounds like the tulpas, once they're activated, and maybe you can tell us about that process, I don't know, um, but do they show up with their own personalities intact? Yeah, so there's this thing called personality forcing, and so that's when you are embedding the tulpa with characteristics that you wish to see in it. So we mentioned before that if you give your tulpa a defined shape and definition instead of just like a ball of light, it makes it easier to form quickly and to have responses with it. And that makes sense because you're actually giving it its own characteristic. So you'll know it's the tulpa. Same with the voice thing. If you give it its own accent or speech pattern, it's easier to notice the tulpa because it's distinct from your own thoughts. Um, with personality forcing, personality forcing also makes a tulpa develop faster. So, you know, you're, you're thinking of a tulpa with a defined structure like, 
it's always in a really good mood and maybe you're often in a more depressed state and um, you'll notice, okay, now I have this thought pattern that's super positive out of nowhere. This is probably my tulpa. It also has an Irish accent, which I've also been trying to give to my tulpa. So this is definitely my tulpa. Um, but you do not have to personality force it. I think if you personality force a tulpa, it forms in about two weeks. And if you don't, it forms in about three. And that's not a very big difference. So if you want, you can think about creating a tulpa that just defines itself out of the ether and creates its own structure fully. And it's, it's totally self-determined. Um, I said that like that's a better way of doing it. That's probably my interest in doing it. But there's nothing wrong with embedding a tulpa with positive characteristics. Actually, I considered making a tulpa once. I was going to name it Uriel, which is the name of an angel. And I thought, why not embed the tulpa with really positive characteristics? Like, you know, it's like, you know, it it, it um is super moral. Not to say I'm not, but, you know, it's everything that I want to be. Mm-hmm. And it has all of those properties. And I never ended up making Uriel. But I thought it would be a worthwhile endeavor if I were to, because it would be a good example. It's like having some, but it's like having a friend. You're, I like the saying, you're the product of the five people you spend the most time with. And so you want a tulpa that's going to be a good influence on you. So in that sense, I think personality forcing is good, but um, the tulpa is regardless going to end up developing its own agency. So whether you develop it with a predetermined idea of what it's going to become or you let it define itself, eventually the tulpa is going to be autonomous and it can start to develop itself the way it wants it. God. So if you start to make a tulpa that's really, you know, always in a good mood, it might say, you know, I'm not feeling so good today. I'm just, I'm a being and not having the best day. I don't have to fulfill the structure that you've given me, even though it's like, uh, like an egg that helps it to birth. Once it's been created, it has the fluid ability to interact with its own future. Hmm. And that there, that aspect of it is <clears throat> a little closer to the the Jewish golem, uh, which is also is an ancient practice. The Jewish golem. Golem. I've heard that name before. I think it's a cryptocurrency. Is it really? I, I'm not thinking of the same thing as you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know a whole lot about it, okay? But there's this phenomenon, uh, ancient. I mean, this is getting into some really heavy Jewish magic. But, uh, and, and any, any, uh, Kabbalistic practitioners out there, please, I'm not trying to offend anybody. But apparently, as I understand what they do, <clears throat> in this case, they actually take mud. And form a being, a life-size being, Isaac. So six foot tall, what have you. Mm. And they form this being out of the mud. And then somehow, some way through their magic. And as, and as I understand it, you need a, an accomplished rabbi to do this. <clears throat> they will breathe life into this being. And it it comes to life. There was even an X-Files episode based on this phenomenon. Um, and the being then comes to life. And once it comes to life, it sort of does, you know, it'll follow commands. Uh, but it kind of comes up now with its own personality, its own life force, and becomes autonomous. And uh, And again, it's an ancient, ancient practice. That I don't know how many people know about that, but they say, and I've never seen one, but they say that once you give life to the golem, it's alive. 
now. And it has a lot of parallels with the old story of how man was created, you know, Adam and Eve, out of the dirt, you know, yeah. and, uh, and, and it becomes alive. And then the rabbi uh, controls it and it will return back to the rabbi. But this is a little bit different in that it's not a, uh, essentially a spiritual being that resides within the individual. This is <clears throat> outside the individual and follows the commands of, of an accomplished rabbi. So uh, there are parallels and overlaps with several different phenomena regarding the tulpa, but it is its own thing. Again, ancient, this comes from ancient Tibetan practice that they've been doing this for Lord knows how many years, a thousand years, two thousand years, I'm, I'm not quite sure. Uh, but let's take us a break here, and when we come back, uh, perhaps we can get into more of this top secret research that you've got your hands on. Of course, I don't want to uh, to to say anything that maybe Bezel doesn't want the public to know. So, is this is this is this okay with Bezel that we talk about this stuff? Oh, it's okay. Bezel didn't do the research, and I'll get into who did. Okay. And, um, it, it is hilarious. So I am very excited to get into it. All right. Well, this is about as weird as I've gotten in a good long while. So bless your heart, Isaac, for bringing this to us tonight. Uh, we'll be right back, everybody. I need to let some of this stuff sink in and just take a breather here. Isaac Lindenberger is an endless source of fascination, and he's got such enthusiasm for what he talks about. I always enjoy a night with him. So here, we'll just run to a break right quick. Go get yourself a refill or whatever you need, and we'll be right back. I'm Heather Wade from the high desert. Oh, like a freight train, my friends. <laughs> well, what's wrong with that? Sharing the night with... Someone that you enjoy spending time with, someone that you love, perhaps someone who knows you uh, from top to bottom and side to side, you know, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, I don't think, even if it is in the imagination, which I don't think it is, uh, all that is, is is solving a worldwide loneliness problem that we have. But over the break, I was thinking about this. It did bring a question to mind. Welcome back, Isaac. Isaac Lindenberger is our guest tonight, if you're just tuning in a little bit late. Uh, Isaac, do tulpamancers keep their tulpas secret, or do they talk about this with people that they know? Sometimes they keep it a secret. I think it depends on who they're around. For example, if I were to have a tulpa, um, let's say I'm um, Jake, who has bezel, right? I will tell people in the Discord about bezel. I will even interview people about bezel. But I might not tell my religious parents about bezel, who just won't understand, no matter how I try to explain it to them. So I think it depends on the person the people with the tulpas is talking to. But for some tulpamancers, they might not tell anyone. I can totally see that, where people might be very secretive about their tulpas. But I think, I wonder how that would affect the relationship with the tulpa. Like, for example, if you have a girlfriend in real life, 
you know, if you just keep her a secret, she might get upset about that. You know, why are we a secret? Why can't you tell people about me? Why am I, why are you ashamed of me? You know, that's something that people feel in relationships that are held down like that. So I think it's possible that a topo would could be content and understand, okay, you don't tell anyone because they just won't get it. But I'm sure in other circumstances, it could lead to insecurity where the tulpa is thinking, oh, well, why don't you tell people about me? And then maybe it causes some kind of conflict. And then it might even encourage the person in giving them bravery to speak up. And even if it's on the behalf of the tulpa and it improves their relationship. So I don't know. I can see a lot of possibilities there. Well, I suppose it would depend on what is appropriate for any given situation. You know, maybe this is not something that you would bring up with your coworkers. Uh, but if it's something that's helping a person in their life, this also uh, occurred to me over the break. What if a person is uh, intimidated by the big bad world out there, and so they create their tulpa, they put in the time, they put in the effort, they do it right. And one of the aspects of their tulpa's personality they put in there perhaps might be courage. And Ooh. then they get this courage from their tulpa, and now they're able to go out and interact with the world that they were previously afraid of. If I did something like that, I don't think I would be very uh, forthcoming telling people about it, because they're going to go, well, you know, you, uh, you've fallen off the deep end. This yeah. is it. You've gone completely crazy. And it also, again, sounds very intimate, and it, and it sounds sacred. You know, and, and it might put a strain on the relationship if you tell someone about it and they're very cynical about it. Oh, you know, good point too. they come down on you like, oh, my God, this is what you're doing. Now, no wonder I've always I've always thought you were a complete weirdo. <laughs> and now I know for sure uh, it, it, my entire right. opinion about you has changed. You know what? I think what we're going right. to do, we're all going to start working on an intervention because this is a serious problem. Are you doing any drugs here lately? Yeah. Um, and what if you look at the tulpa different after that? You know, you think, oh, are they right? And you start, you know, looking at your tulpa differently and it hurts your relationship. Mm -hmm. No, I can see that happening, too. So I, I think this is tough because I understand wanting to keep a tulpa secret. And if you were, you know, that's fine. But I can also see the tulpa being a little ashamed by that. And I, I just I guess I wish the world was more open where this wasn't even a problem where you could be like, oh, yeah, I have a tulpa. And it's great. And it's making my life better. And people respond like, oh, it's making your life better. Well, good. I'm glad you're a happier person for it. And you're your life is you know, more meaningful and more fulfilled. That's just an objective good thing. So I guess I, I wish the world was different, but I also think that being open about tulpas helps to change the stigma around them. Mm -hmm. So if you tell people, yeah, I've got a tulpa, and I don't care that you know because I'm confident about it and I love my tulpa or I really appreciate my tulpa, mm -hmm. I think that's good too. But I don't know. I guess it, it really does depend. I, I I do want to see a world where it's not something that gets that kind of reaction mm -hmm. from people who are closed-minded. Well, if it's giving a person positive results in their life, you know, I I certainly wouldn't uh, give a person a hard time about yeah, that. especially what a Downer. You know, especially, it, it, I look at it like this. If somebody opened up to tell me about their spirit guides, 
I'm not going to start giving them a hard time now about that. And I, I understand a tulpa is a different thing, but I'm just trying to identify with the concept best way I understand how. You know, if somebody has overcome some personal issue with themselves because of their spirit guide or their tulpa or you name it, then that is only a net positive. Uh, and, and it sounds like to me that people can get things from their relationship with their tulpa that they may not be able to get through relationships with people nowadays. And, you know, Isaac, this is something I'm very familiar with. Uh, nowadays with relationships, oh, you've got betrayals, you've got social media complicating things. It seems like to me a tulpa would be a being that you could put your trust in. And trust is a rare thing nowadays. And you know humans need that. Humans absolutely need at least one other person being something that we know we can trust because when we don't have that psychologically it makes the world feel very unstable and therefore that starts to have negative effects on our psychology and it manifests in horrible ways like addiction depression mm -hmm. mental illness of all kinds uh, we, we become unsure and that's not a good place for a person's mind to be in if a tulpa can provide those things for people then, you know, I wouldn't want to get into anybody's business, private business, but if it's doing good things for them, like I've read about with other people, uh, then that, there's nothing wrong with that, as weird as it might be to some. And the more we talk about it, I think the more normal it will probably become. Yes, exactly. And that's what I'm hoping for, because if tulpas become more normal, then they'll be able to help more people. Because tulpas are 95% of the time very beneficial. I don't even know cases where they're not. They're just sometimes neutral, that other 5%. Okay. And that's only for the time being. I think they have the potential to evolve from that state into becoming helpful. Like the example we were talking about earlier where maybe your tulpa is depressed, but you help it. And that lifts you both up simultaneously. So, yeah, I think tulpas should be encouraged in the culture. Not everyone might need a tulpa, but... I think personally, to a certain extent, we all have sub tulpas and like just making a real tulpa is just, you know, going forward and making it. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I think they're so helpful and good that I hope that the stigma, which I don't think really think it's a stigma because people don't know what tulpas are beforehand to be stigma, be have a stigma about them. It's just the way that they're presented needs to be carefully crafted so that when you're talking about tulpas with others, it's something that doesn't hit any weird barriers. And I've been thinking about how to do that best. Like we were talking about earlier, um, the imaginary friend approach seems to be the one that generates the most resistance. But when you talk about the author thing, it generates less. And, you know, it, I was thinking about this when you were talking. This is kind of funny. So imagine you have a tulpa and you don't tell other people you have this tulpa. It's a secret, maybe. Uh, what if you're embodied in the tulpa? So, like, what if bezel isn't? Jake isn't Jake. Jake is Bezel right now in this scenario. Mm -hmm. Bezel is running at the forefront. Mm. What if Bezel interacts with someone that doesn't know Bezel exists? So Bezel says that he's Jake. And Bezel is like, oh, I'm Jake. But it's actually Bezel. But the person can't know that because it's a secret. You know what? 
that just sounds so complicated. You know, it'd just be so much better if it was open. But that would be an interesting dynamic that I'm sure it's probably happened before, too. Oh, I bet it has. Uh, again, because perhaps the tulpa can deal with situations that the tulpa mancer, the host, cannot. A lot of people have right. social anxiety. Uh, a lot of people could not do what you and I are doing, this sort of public speaking. It just terrifies people. And that's normal, actually. Or what about going to that job interview? You know, I've yeah. seen people that, that they say, gosh, I've been job hunting for six, seven months. I finally got an interview this Thursday. And, oh, I'm just a, I'm just a nervous wreck about it. Perhaps your tulpa could step in. And help you with this very scary job interview or whatever it is that's coming up yeah. for a person. Perhaps it's a, a confrontation that, that needs to happen with a close friend or family member that they don't want to get involved with, don't want to do. Uh, there are so many situations I can think of, social situations, where a person's tulpa may come in handy and the person they're interacting with has no idea that right. And if it's a job interview, probably better off that way, you know, like mm-hmm. explaining that to the person hiring you. But, you know, what you're bringing up is possible in two ways. The tulpa can take, you can switch, which is giving the tulpa control of your body temporarily, or the tulpa could just be there for you while you're doing the interview, saying encouraging things or even not saying anything, but being there emotionally, mm-hmm. like most people when they first interact with their tulpa, it's not through language, it's through emotions. So tulpas can be a pure emotional support. You know, they might not even be telling you, you know, oh, you're doing great. You might just feel the tulpa's presence and have more confidence in what you're doing with it just being there. A lot of people who are new to tulpas, the switching thing is a little strange for them. You know, they don't want to give any other being control of their body and you never have to switch. If you don't like that and you want to make a tulpa, you can just have a tulpa as your, uh, uh, as someone who accompanies you or as, you know, your accomplice or your companion. Companion's the right word. So both ways are ways that tulpas could potentially help you given the circumstance and given how you like to interact with your tulpa. Hmm. Do, this off the wall question, but do people draw or paint pictures of their tulpas? Oh yeah, all the time. There's um, there's even in the Tulpa Discord. There's even emojis of different tulpas that are common, and there's little you, you, people will draw their tulpas. And there's there's actually a setting that the tulpas live in. It's called Wonderland. And Wonderland, not every tulpa has one, but most do, I think, most of the time. And it's an inner landscape where the tulpa lives. And so you have a bedroom, right? Mm-hmm. Your tulpa isn't just sitting in ethereal mental space. It has in its own person, if in its own um, embodiment, it has a, a place it hangs out. It has a living room. It has a, a wonderland. That's what they call it. And they'll draw the wonderland too. They'll draw this beautiful mystical space that the tulpa lives in or some very nicely furnished house the tulpa lives in, you know, and it chills out there. So not just the tulpa that they'll draw to it's also its environment and if there's multiple tulpas in that environment you know it can create this dynamic inner landscape that you can you can express with art oh i love this i love everything about this <laughs> it reminds me of robin foy and his spiritual landscape um oh, that, what was that well he uh he, he is a part of a group called the skull group and they do again this is uh communicating with the other side they do uh experiments with communicating 
with uh, those who are no longer with us. And they were able, the Skull Group, were able to actually capture photographs of the spiritual landscape. Uh, there's trees, oh, wow. there's buildings, there's, uh, you know, everything that we have in our tangible reality, they've got over there in their reality. And, uh, and, and there's buildings, you know, uh, there was even one photograph taken that showed the pyramids in Egypt uh, in the spiritual landscape. It looked a little weird and a little bit different than what we see in our world, but yet the three pyramids were there. And I can't remember exactly how he was able to capture these photos. I think what they do is they take an undeveloped roll of film still in its uh, in its little container, and they have a designated person that deals with the film so that no one tampers with it. They put it in the center of their seance table, and then they ask the spirits, okay, uh, communicate with us. You know, you can use this undeveloped film. And then with the film still rolled up in its little canister, uh, after the session, the designated person who handles the film will take that film and then go develop it, and it's got photographs on there. And yet this film has never been run through a camera. You know what I'm wondering now? So the tulpas have been correlated with the spiritual realm in multiple different ways that we've discussed in this conversation. I'm curious if the wonderlands, maybe we could get a sample of like a hundred of them, mm -hmm. if there are similar features to these photographs or these detailed um, descriptions um, of the spiritual landscape. It'd be interesting if there were more parallels in that sense. I, I do think that they are distinct phenomenon, but I can see how there's a potential overlap, mm -hmm, I guess, between mm -hmm. them. And it makes me wonder about your uh, DMT landscape. Are we talking about the same thing with all three phenomena? Uh, the spiritual landscape, the Tulpa Wonderland, and the DMT world is it all really the same place? Because as Robin Foy explained it to me, the spiritual uh, landscape is an infinite place. I thought that made sense, which is why I I pitched that as my introduction to the dude who made those videos. And he did not agree. But I, I hold oh. different views okay. th personally. I think you're onto something. I think that the similarities between these inner worlds are deep enough to warrant, at the very least, a comparative investigation. And that's what I want to do. I want, you know, they're so similar, these inner worlds, but they're also very different. And so what's an example I was um, thinking about the other day? I was thinking about it like this. I think I mentioned this last time we talked uh, with the DMT realm, right? Imagine you have three aliens and they go to different spots on Earth, one in Mexico, one in the United States, and one in Europe, maybe. Um they will all know they were on the same planet, one sun, human beings, grass. But there will be differences in their accounts, you know, different languages, uh, different climate conditions. So it's not the same. They had different experiences, but they know they were all from the same place. So in this sense, the DMT realm, the Tulpa world, and the spiritual realm you've been describing, mm -hmm. they are different, but they have so much of a unique similarity that it's like they're emanating from the same source. Well, sure. I mean, Earth is a big place. Think about it. If you're in the Atacama Desert, which is vast, you know, it's just huge. 
uh, it's hard to imagine that a place like the Pacific Northwest would also exist in the same planet. You mm-hmm. see, there's these very differing um, uh, ecosystems and environments all around the entire planet, but you're still on exactly. the same planet Earth. So, right. you know, this is a fascinating, fascinating concept. Well, I don't want to stray too far away because you've got this interesting research uh, that's also oh, yeah. fascinating to talk about, and this is brand new to us, so I would feel like I've missed out on an incredible opportunity if I didn't ask you more about that. So what else is entail in, in I'm sorry, uh, what does the research also entail? So, okay, there is another story with the research, and um, it's it's super fun. So I'm, I'm a researcher at Ohio State. Um, I do research on personalities. Uh, I do research on a bunch of stuff, mainly in social psychology. And I was at a conference. It was an online conference. And this guy, his name was Pat. He was giving a lecture on substructures in different personalities. So different personality substructures. And it's like, you know, you're different in different environments. And, you know, you can view yourself in different ways. And I thought his presentation sounded a lot like Tulpa's personality substructures that vary within an individual's consciousness, their own minds. And he was taking a very scientific psychological approach because this is a, you know, an official psychology lecture at Ohio State. And um, I thought, you know, I'm just going to go for it. There was a, a Q&A at the end. And I'm like, yo, dude, have you ever heard of Tulpas? They're so similar. And I pitched it for like a minute. And I figured since this is in an academic setting, I was going to be laughed at. I, I was going to be, you know, ha ha ha. Booed right so out ridiculous. of the room. Yeah. It's right because I'm in a university setting at this point. This isn't. This sometimes goes poorly talking to normal people, and so uh, you know, educated you know school environment just seems like the worst place to bring this up. But you know what? I'm just gonna go for it because I'm adventurous, and it actually landed. This guy was like, "Whoa, that is really similar to what I'm researching." And he actually did research in the dual bus and met with me a week later and said, I'm down. I want to do a study on this with you. I was like, what? Wow. Well, I'm impressed. I am impressed. I'm glad you went for it. I'm glad you took the leap because that had to be a little nerve wracking. Like, I'm going to bring up something very different here into this discussion. But, you know, it's amazing. Academia really isn't that uh, contrary to the paranormal if you can present it in a friendly uh, manner they're usually yes. quite receptive to different ideas and they may not believe it but they sure love to study anything and every kind of phenomena uh, all over this world so um <laughs> is yeah. that study uh, yet to happen or did you do that study and what were the results or okay yes so Yes, like you said, I thought I was going to embarrass myself, but they were actually interested. And I think they liked the novelty. And also they knew, I knew that that was pushing it to bring up. But I think that's part of the reason why they liked it. They were like, oh, this guy's, you know, got some got some courage here. Let's see what he has to say. So I presented to, I talked to Pat two weeks ago. I This is all very recent. So now we're caught up with basically what's been happening now, because my interview with Bezel was about two months ago. And the mm-hmm. thing with Pat was about a month ago. And then I talked with him two weeks ago. And I said, hey, Pat, um, there is a Discord server I'm in that only tulpas are allowed in, which we've, which we've talked about, you know, this kind of this whole time. And I told him, 
that they do research, independent research on tulpas there. And he was like, okay, why don't you go in, find that research, review it for us so we know where to start. And I was like, okay, cool. Because we don't want to find something they've already found and they've already proven. We want to find something new, something fresh, and we can publish it. Because all of these studies are run very well, but they're only available on the Discord server. So if we were to publish a study in a scientific paper, that would bring Tulpas to a new light in the academic world. And hopefully it would encourage the study of them around the world. And I I actually found a professor who's down to do this with me. I really hope something cool happens with it. But that's how I found the research. I was encouraged to find it based on the study I'm doing with Pat. Uh Ah, okay. All right. Well, that's a big step toward uh, learning more about this and the and the greater i guess public at large learning a little bit more about this look isaac we have got some desperate people out there right now and they don't know what to do and a lot of people have tried everything in the book to deal with their lives to deal with themselves and uh, and some people just you know no matter what they try the lives don't improve and people are starting to give up they really are dropping like flies. And this is a heartbreaking thing to see. You know, if I had a friend that come to me and they said, well, I tried everything. I tried medication. I tried therapy. <clears throat> I tried, uh, you know, meditation. I tried everything. But, you know, this tulpa thing is what really pulled me out of the rut. You know, I would just hug my friend and go, man, good for you. Tell me yeah. all about it. I wouldn't be judgmental or anything because right now uh, things are, are tough and, and times are, hmm, we've seen better days. How about that? And if this is something that can bring somebody up out of their situation or even just solve a little bit of loneliness, I mean, think about it. This is one of the reasons why this show is on in the middle of the night because, look, I'm lonely. Believe it or not, I don't know how many people realize this, but Art Bell was lonely. He wanted to talk to people in the middle of the night. The middle of the night, for a lot of us, is the toughest time of our 24-hour period. And sometimes it's very hard to be by yourself in the middle of the night. If you had this spiritual relationship with this being that you have pulled out of the of the thin air in a sense what a great thing that would be i mean i I, i'm also thinking of mundane things like kicking back at night to to make some dinner or watching a movie or playing with your animals yeah or or lying in your bed and you can't sleep you know bezel uh can you talk to me while i fall asleep um, all yeah. these different kind of things, it sort of uh, answers the lack of fulfillment that we have in our day and age, especially now. Uh, we need that fulfillment. That's another thing that the human psychology has got to have in order for that person to be fully actualized and realized and whole is we need fulfillment. We need meaning. I can see tulpas also bringing great meaning to the Tulpamancer's life, to the host's life. Uh, yeah. Now they've got this void filled where before it was kind of uh, chaotic and and, law, and they were a little bit lost. 
this could give a person direction. This could give a person companionship. I mean, there's so many benefits here. I think this ought to be talked about a lot more because what are people doing, Isaac? They're turning to drugs. They're turning to anything, good and bad, to help them just get by. And I'm not judging people, okay? I, I am not judging people. Um, you know, right now, it's sort of um, any port in the storm will do. And if people get familiar with this idea, perhaps they'd give it a little more consideration. Yeah. And, and I love how you said it's the small things, too, because it's not just about, you know, fixing your depression. It's about having a companion that's, you know, long term. And it's, it's the small things there are a huge part. They really add up over time. And, you know, tulpas have that unique capability to be something that's there for you internally. You know, whenever we're down on our luck and we're feeling depressed, we often look outside of ourselves for something like a crutch or something that, you know, we can depend on. And maybe it is some external substance or maybe it's, you know, a person that we're, you know, clingy to maybe or it's some ideal that's been handed to you by the culture or it's maybe even a show or a book, you know, whatever it is, often we look outside of ourselves and there's nothing wrong with that, but there's somewhere else we can look to and it's internally within ourselves. And then we have the full range of options that we can use to fulfill ourselves and give our lives meaning where it's lacking. Mm-hmm. And this isn't, this is, this is so wild and different. I'm just falling in love with this entire concept because you know, a lot of times what we get nowadays is, well, just just think positive. Even if you feel depressed and lonely, just give yourself positive thoughts. You know, just tell yourself that things are okay. Tell yourself that you can do it. And this some oftentimes feels uh, fake because it is fake because we are kind of making things up. You know, I wake up pretty well most days in a sour mood. Okay, so if I wake up and 20 minutes later, I'm just telling myself, no, 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 we're in a good mood today. It's, it's, it's fine. It's fine. You know, I know that that isn't authentic. You know, deep down, I know I'm just telling myself things that aren't really real, that I wish were real. This is an entirely different approach. It's none of those things. It's not the secret. It's none of these things. It's an entirely different way. To uh, to navigate life, you know, and, and it truly is from chaos to Zen, because it sounds like people start out not knowing where to be, what to do, how to think. Oh, my God. I'm oh I'm just so overwhelmed. Oh, just let me check out. This society is just too much for me. And it is often time for sensitive people. This culture we have uh, can be rather brutal sometimes. And. Uh, this is an entirely different approach. So I'm getting the sense from you, Isaac, that the tulpa mancers, uh, they somehow know that their tulpas are real. Is that true? And how, how do they know that their tulpas are real? That is a good question. So normally it depends on how the tulpa tries to interact with them first. And this is in that research set that was in the discord community that was, you know, no one else has really seen. And um, so, so Pat told me, like I told you to go into this research for him. 
and I haven't talked to him yet, but I've gone into the research. And I went over these five studies, and I want to go through each of them with you because okay. they're real shortly, but I want to talk to you about each one. Oh, go ahead. And um, what, what's so funny, Heather, is that I looked over these studies, and the guy who ran them, his name's there. And I thought, I'm going to message this guy. He did. It's the same guy who did all of the five studies, and they're really well done. So I thought, you know, I'm doing this research. I need to know this guy. I need to talk to him. Mm-hmm. He's the for, he's the front runner of Tulpa Research. He's doing it all by himself in this Discord server. I need to reach out to him. Okay, I reach out to him and message him. It's the same guy that I got off on the wrong foot with when I first oh. joined the server. <laughs> oh, full circle. It was the same guy. I know. <clears throat> I was like, I messaged him this big thing. I was like, hey, uh, I reviewed all your research and it's super awesome. And, you know, I'd love to get to chat with you. And I sent it. And then I saw all the previous messages where he was like basically saying, go away. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Man, this has to be the guy that did all this amazing research. It's the guy who thinks I'm crazy. That's not cool. So I was worried because I figured I had already screwed myself. And um, I asked him about the studies and I got a real short response. It was like, um, I'm not doing any studies right now. I was like, that was so short. I sent like five paragraphs. I was like, okay, um, did you do this study? And I just got, wasn't my study. I was like, okay, there's this guy remembers me. He doesn't trust me or he doesn't like me. I'm just going to acknowledge it. So I told him, listen, man, I know you don't like me because we got off on the wrong foot or don't trust me. I mean, at least getting that vibe. I can't read your mind, but it's pretty obvious. And um, I'd like for you to give me another chance. I had a conversation with Bezel, who he knows. Bezel is like up there in terms of this Discord server. So him and Bezel are close. So I'm just going to cite Bezel and be like, Bezel will stick up for me. I had a great conversation with Bezel. So I mentioned I had a good conversation with Bezel and that I knew what tulpas were. I'm not just crazy and into the DMT elf landscape. Like I can act, I understand what we're talking about at a scientific level. You don't need to just discredit me. And the way I felt was how a lot of people with tulpas feel, I think. You know, you tell somebody you're interested in tulpas and sometimes they discredit you. And so I know this person has probably experienced that. And now they're dishing that out to me because I mentioned my interest in machine elves and now I'm just crazy. So it's just ironic coming from somebody with a tulpa who probably has experienced the same thing. So I, I don't know. I guess I expected him to be more understanding. But eventually he did open up and he was like, OK, you talked to Bezel. Maybe we got off on the wrong foot. Talk to me more about your questions about the research. And I asked him questions about the research and they were really good. And he was like, OK, I'm sorry. You actually do know what tulpas are. Go ahead and review my research and I'll answer any questions you have. That was about three hours ago before getting on the line with you. That was all today. And the last message I got from the the dude that runs the server and did this research study was a suggestion on how we can do research that piggybacks off pre-existing research. And his suggestion was we should do research into the sociological backgrounds between different Tulpa users because that's not known. And so now he's helping me figure out what to research and and what we can do to progress this field. So it really, really ended up being fine. And it was just a whirlwind to get there. So that's how I got the studies. Convoluted story. 
I'd love to talk to all of them about you, you know, real briefly, go through them all. But yeah, that's uh, that's my that's my that's what happened. It was nuts. Wow, way to stick it out, you know, and not give up. I'm impressed. <laughs> Most people. It was worth it. I've got these five studies up. now. <laughs> wow, wow. So okay, uh, if you want to, yeah, uh, go to town. What else is in the studies? I mean, you you've got my curiosity absolutely peaked here. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry because I, I just don't want to forget I had a question for you. And so I'm going to ask you that before I get into the studies. Um, it's going to be too uh, too far down the road once we start asking the studies for me to ask this. What was the clay thing that you mentioned earlier where you can make the clay uh-huh, being? That's, that's the golem, and this comes from Jewish mysticism. That's right. So the golem, okay, I just wanted to say this before uh, when you mentioned that. The golem is like an external tulpa. You know, mm-hmm. it's not existing in your own mind, but it's external. And uh, this is kind of a tangent, but I, I, th- I think you'll appreciate it. I thought of a story once. Um, I think I was 21. I'm 24 now. It's about three years ago. I thought of a story where, so you know how AI, artificial intelligence, you have like, you could have a robot that looks completely human, but it's not conscious, right? It's just a robot. It's just a machine mm-hmm. that looks human. You can picture that happening what if what if this is the story idea what if a bunch of artificial robots like that that look human what if people make tulpas and embed their tulpas into the robots so the robots have their own consciousness that is actually a tulpa that was generated by a human who projected the tulpa into the robot that has the ability to receive consciousness so you make the tulpa as a conscious entity and you embed it into this machine. And now the machine is an actual living being that's powered by a tulpa. I just thought that was such a cool concept. Wow. Well, that's going to open up a whole new area of rights and uh, and sentience. And Tulpas taking over the world, maybe. Perhaps. Perhaps. <laughs> yeah, that or opens working up. working with us to make a better world. That's how I like to think about it. That's Pandora's box right there. But yeah, that's absolutely <laughs> fascinating what could possibly happen with that. Um, yes, and the I golems can... reminded me of that, so Ooh. I just I wanted to bring it up to you. Wow, but that would you really ought to write a screenplay and sell that to Hollywood. Doesn't that sound like an awesome movie? It does. It does. I'd pay good money to see that. Me too. I just don't know the title. Something Tulpas. Tulpa <laughs> Attack. Something like that. No, that's not the right title. The rise. But, yeah. The rise of the technomancers and the tulpas. Oh, that's good. Okay. All right. You're on board. You're, you're going to help me screenwrite this, even if it's just the title I'm willing to give, you know, a few percents for that one. That's important. <laughs> we'll have to call Bezel Tool. We need some real tulpas on this, too. You know, we can't just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. My God. Well, you know, um, <laughs> it, it, it's 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 my mission in life, Isaac, to just make the world a little bit weirder and leave it a little weirder than I found it. So That's awesome. You're doing a great job. I love it. <laughs> oh, man. Now I'm going to probably have dreams about uh, Tulpa robots. <clears throat> I hope so. Tonight. I hope they're lucid, too. Mm-hmm. No kidding. Yeah, no kidding. God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, you know, being a Star Trek fan, I'm now thinking about the Doctor on Voyager and his personality subroutines. 
Oh, that's interesting. They're like, so would you correlate that to tulpas? Mm-hmm. You kind of could. Instead of a personality subroutine, <clears throat> what you've got here is a spiritual, oh, God, how would you even word that? A spiritual creation that you're imbuing this technological object with. So you're marrying the technological and the spiritual and the magical in one instance, in one being. And to oh, me, this so cool. is the highest achievement of magic yeah, in my mind. Right. That's like yeah. the perfect combination and synergy of awesomeness. Just what's cool in this life, just all in one. And then, and then what would this being then go and do? You know, once it's autonomous and it's all set and all programmed and all ready to go. I mean, programmed, I guess, for lack of a better word. Uh, what would it then go off and do? Uh, yeah, is the programmed with free will, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is a weird way of thinking about it, because when you think about programming, you think about something that you have to follow. You're determined to follow. But programming agency flips that on its head, I guess. It's, well, it is weird to think about. This is what gods do, Isaac. So we're, oh, they program agency. Yeah. We're, we're treading on God's territory here, which to oh, me is... Right, we better be careful. Well, to me, this is very <laughs> exciting, is all. I agree. That's I don't how... think we have much to worry about. I don't think we're going to get any um, retribution for playing with the tools that have been handed to us by the divine. <laughs> well, I could imagine God having a sense of humor as he looks down on his creation that he has set into motion and and made us all autonomous with our own free will and just sort of smiling. Look what the humans have done now. Well, okay. I love that. Yep. And we'd be thinking the same thing. Look what our tulpas have done now. Oh, how they've grown. (laughs) And what if the tulpas start making their own tulpas? This could actually that happens. Does it? Yes, tulpas will, okay, so you can have multiple tulpas, and sometimes the host view making a new tulpa differently than the other tulpas. Usually, the tulpas are more likely to want another tulpa, and the hosts are less likely, but they normally agree on it for the most part, and they become easier to make as you make them. Usually, the host is the one making the new tulpas, but the tulpa can also be the one in charge of the creation process. So it becomes almost a a spiritual fractal. Yeah, fractal is the perfect way of looking at it. Wow. Tulpa fractal. God, I can see how people get caught up in this. Yeah, it becomes a whole world, a whole inner world. And it's even got its own, you know, it's got the wonderland, the landscape, the the, the beings that are creating each other. Now, you could always have one tulpa, um, but they also did a study on tulpa happiness, and tulpas are not less happy the more tulpas that are in the system. Sometimes you think about that with kids, like, oh, firstborns are happier because they get all the parents' attention, but you have five kids, and now the attention is divided, and maybe the kids aren't as happy. But with tulpas, that's not a problem. You make five tulpas, and they're just as happy as if they were one tulpa, which you don't have to make five tulpas, but they aren't going to be like kids where they're like, oh, I'm not getting all the attention, you know, at least not for what the research shows. What? The research shows this? Yes, yes, the research shows the um, perspective of the tulpas and and how they view other tulpas in their system. Oh, this is incredible. Okay, so go on. What else is in the research? 
oh my gosh. Okay, so the person who I got this all from, who the person I got off on the wrong foot with, we'll call him the admin of the server from okay. now on. I guess that, right. that fits better. The admin of the server um, gave me them in chronological order. So the first study that they did was an analysis of the influence of writing experience and linguistic skills on first-time Tulpa creation. And all of these studies, they had anonymous surveys and Tulpa-centered threads, like the Discord server or r-tulpas, which is like the Reddit channel. Mm-hmm. People who are already making Tulpas, because if they just generate a random sample, you know, no one's going to know what a Tulpa is in a random sample. You're going to have to do 100 studies if you find someone. So it makes sense to do these targeted studies in these forms. So and they're all about 100, and that's true for all of the studies. But um, this one basically showed that the more time you spend writing fiction, the more likely you are to have a tulpa quickly. And that bounces back to what we were talking about earlier with the author and Pinocchio and making a tulpa that's like your imaginary character in your story. The more often you write stories, the easier it is to make a tulpa because these concepts are similar. And it might have to do with linguistic skills, but it's good advice to give to people who might be having trouble with their tulpas. Just write about it. Write about your tulpa. And bringing that pencil to paper helps create the tulpa from imagination and into life. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. It's going to engage that imagination. And we really don't value imagination in our culture nearly enough. We tend to discount it. But think about it. The greatest inventions come from our imagination. Yes, they do. Absolutely. And so when you're working within that landscape, it makes sense. You've had practice with it. So you're more likely to recognize the tulpa for what it is. And when it tries to communicate with you, you've been messing around with your linguistic skills. You've been writing in this imaginative landscape. So you're used to it. You're not new to the territory. Mm. And um, the tulpa comes faster. I think if you don't have a lot of writing experience, it takes about a month. And if you do have writing experience with fiction writing, it takes about two weeks. And if you don't have writing experience, but you start writing about your tulpa as you try to make it, it takes about three weeks. So it, it balances that out if you okay. if you maybe are finding yourself having trouble making your first tulpa. Wow. And this is also similar to the Philip experiment. Now, in that case, it was a group of people who had this crazy idea. Hey, why don't we just see if we can make a ghost? And they all started to pitch in and, and they come up with this character, Philip, and Everybody from the group contributes. Well, what does Philip look like? What is his personality? How did he die? Mm. Where did he come from? And all of this. And and they develop this very clear picture of who Philip is. And they got uh, paranormal activity from this invented being. You know, there was wow. there was really no such person as Philip. But they invented it because that was the whole experiment. Can we invent a ghost? And they did. And there was haunting activity and the whole nine yards. Wow, that's so interesting. It's like making a tulpa without a host. Like mm-hmm. the tulpa doesn't have a person that it's residing in. You're like, it's like the golem more, more a or less. Little You're bit. making an external tulpa, but it's not inhabited mm-hmm. in any form. It's not like the golem is in a rock or a clay now, Tulpa is in a host or a person. Um, what was this being's name? Philip. Philip. Philip doesn't have a form or at least a, uh, how would you call it? He doesn't have a um, anything to embody himself in. 
So right. that's right. why he would be free floating in that sense. Absolutely. But he did, um, uh, I guess, come into existence and haunted them. And they were even able to initiate communication with Philip. And and this personality was able to confirm uh, everything they had imbued him with. And it's, it's just a fascinating paranormal experience, uh, experiment that took place years and I love years ago. experiments like that. Yeah. And I'm really glad they did that because it's a good parallel to what tulpas are, especially because you can bring it from Philip, the externalized being created through intention, to a tulpa, which is just an internalized being created through intention. Mm-hmm. And it can draw a nice segue into the topic for people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's on Wikipedia. If you ever get curious and you want to learn more about it, uh, you can find it. Uh, there's a lot of uh, reports out there and such that a person can find and, and read about. Uh, just one of those little known experiments that took place. A lot of people, you know, some people do know about it. But, yeah. Uh, a lot of these different things are coming to mind just as I'm listening to you talk. So uh, what what else was in the research? I'm very curious. Oh, I love that. Philip the Friendly Ghost. That mm-hmm. is, well, I don't know if he was friendly, but I, I believe he was. Um, just, you know, just going to go for it. But um, yeah, so there were a few more research documents. And the second one, Chronological Order, was the study on tulpa creation methods. And um, so what they're doing is they're looking at, does a tulpa develop faster based on how you try to make it mm-hmm. and, you know, talk to it and form it. And um, they looked at Wonderland, which is the landscape the tulpa lives in. They were wondering, if you have a Wonderland already made for your tulpa to inhabit when it's formed, does that make it develop faster? Turns out it doesn't. You don't really have to have a Wonderland to speed up the development of your tulpa. You can have one if you want. It doesn't slow it down or anything, but it's not necessary. So that was interesting to know. I would think it would help because the tulpa has a home mm-hmm. that's already ready for it. And if I were to make a tulpa, that's probably what I would do because it would be interesting and it would be fun to create its living room. And it's, you know, it's not maybe it wouldn't be a living room, but wherever it chills out, you know, that'd be fun to make. Yeah, no, exactly. Just like having a baby. You you make sure their room is all set before they show, you know, you bring them home from the hospital. Exactly. That's a good way of looking at it, like a crib. So the research didn't show, you know, that's one of the things of the research is the research didn't show that it helped make the tulpa faster. But that's all they looked at. And that's not all that matters. Even if the tulpa wasn't generated faster, the tulpa might come into existence more easily if it's wonderland is already set up for it. You know, if you bring a baby home and the crib isn't there, it's going to have a hard time adjusting. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, a little bit. Yeah. And and uh, just like that situation with bringing home a baby, if you've got the room already set up or even for, say, I don't know, a roommate or something like that, uh, they're going to instantly feel at home. So if you've got this right. already set up for your tulpa, here's your room, here's your temple, I don't know, wherever they reside, I would think they'd feel immediately at home and and um, reassured that my host is going to look after me. Yes, exactly, because it's, you know, that's already all set up. You've put the thought into it so the tulpa can see, oh, you actually care about me coming into existence. You're not just throwing me in 
you know, the Tulpa homeless shelter. You know, I've got my own space. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, exactly. And it would strengthen the relationship, I would think. Yeah. And that's the thing with this research is it's only look. It's great research. Don't get me wrong. But it's only looking at one thing. You you can only learn so much with surveys and with, you know, asking people questions and doing data analysis on it. You know, it's good to do, but there's information that comes from relationships that just can't be found in such a crude measure, I guess. Sure. But also, uh, if if you want to learn about this phenomenon, go to the people who are living it. And there's surely going to be some commonalities between tulpamancers, and then those commonalities uh, would at least give a, a researcher a place to start with such a strange phenomenon. And I don't say strange in a derogatory way. Oh, of course. No, strange is the opposite for us. Strange yeah, is good. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's a compliment <laughs> right, a coming from one. me. Yeah. That's, uh, I, I absolutely am, um, in favor of tulpamancers and what they're doing. I think this is so creative. Uh, and again, yeah, that's, that's a lot how, uh, practitioners develop their thought forms too. We'll start writing it down. Um, again, to use the example of a, a thought form guarding my front door, I'm going to start with, okay, his name is such and such, and uh, this is what he looks like, and this is where he came from, and this is what his job is, and, and if this happens, this is how he's going to respond to that, and you just flesh them out as much as you possibly can. And the more detail that you give them, uh, the more they end up being realized. And I don't know about this. God, did I ask you this yet tonight? See, thought forms can affect tangible reality. Oh, I've had thought forms move my curtains. I've had thought forms scare people. Uh, all kinds of things. Do tulpas uh, react with the tangible world? Like, can a tulpa knock your cup off the table or something like that? Because thought forms can. Well... Definite if the tulpa has switched with you and taken over your body because mm-hmm. your body is just knocking over the cup, right? So mm-hmm. that's that's my fake answer. That's like, you know, obvious. Um, but in terms of now, I'm just thinking, I don't know, but imagine how powerful you would be if like not only you could like tulpas aren't about power or anything that you shouldn't make one if you're going on a power trip or something. But okay. it, it would be interesting to see y- being able to. Let's say you have telekinetic potential or something, and you can move, you know, objects with your mind. What if a tulpa could strengthen that? And, like, your tulpas can do it in different times, too. So, like, you're lifting a chair while your tulpa lifts a table and your other tulpa lifts a a, a ledge or something. And, you know, that all works together. You've got this whole telekinetic system that's operating within itself and distributing its abilities amongst themselves. That just sounds... So cool. Maybe we are getting into into God territory here, and in, in um in that respect. But uh, that sounds pretty well, fun, honestly. It's not talked about that often, especially in public. But witches have been doing this for years and years. I think the tulpa phenomenon is a lot older uh, than thought forms. But we have been doing this for ages and ages, and we don't tend to talk about our thought forms either. And any any practitioner could have from one to a hundred different thought forms all out there working for her doing her bidding 
Um, and it does give a practitioner a sense of power over her world. Uh, and some really get carried away with that. And they'll create very dark thought forms, too. There's that Ooh. dark side of it where they will create thought forms to go after their enemies uh, in various different ways. And so there wow. is a distinct dark aspect to thought forms. It all depends on the practitioner. As we say, the color mm-hmm. of the magic is in the heart of the witch. So it depends on the I practitioner uh, as to, you know, what she, what her thought forms or his thought forms are. Uh, you can make good ones, friendly ones, minimal ones, very involved and detailed ones, uh, and they can do good or bad works out there also. Uh, Topas sound very different from that because they do have their own autonomy. So that's a little bit different. And they, yeah, I haven't heard you yet tell us, well, uh, Topa went out and robbed a bank because it just decided <laughs> that it wanted to. I don't know. Uh, its host yeah. needed to pay the bills. So it decided it's going to go out and rob the bank and solve that problem. I haven't heard you say anything like that yet. So it sounds right. like Tulpas and Tulpamancy. Uh, just doesn't have that darker aspect that thought forms have. Well, I guess I'd put it like this. First off, we already know that if you need to get rid of your tulpa, you just send it into a black hole, apparently. I mean, we know that method worked for the person trying to get rid of their tulpa, send it into space and whatnot. But um, I think tulpas have the potential to develop potentially dark characteristics. But I think that, you know, it depends on the host, of course. And it depends on the tulpa, too, because the tulpa has its own autonomy as well. But um, part of one aspect of tulpamancy is control over the tulpas, not control in the sense that you're forcing the tulpa's behavior. But like a tulpa cannot just decide, I'm going to take over your body and keep control over it and not give it back or anything like that. Tulpas don't have that level of control over you. They're always, it's hard to explain. It's kind of like a kid. So I can't choose what my kid thinks, right? Mm-hmm. I can't make my kid think something, but I could prevent my kid from leaving the house because I'm stronger than my kid. So you're stronger in that sense than your tulpa. You can prevent it from taking control of your body or making you rob a bank or trying to rob a bank on its own. And um, however it would do that, maybe it's going to go switch with someone else. Um, <laughs> but you have that control over the tulpa like you do it for a child. You can't choose its thoughts. You can't, you know, force your own ideals onto it because then it's not even a tool push it's just a reflection of your own mind mm. it ruins the whole point so so you yeah more... tulpas have a potential oh, okay. to go dark and have their own thoughts because they're deep complex creatures and sometimes they can get sad and sometimes you know you'll have made them for a purpose and they can't fulfill that purpose at a certain time because maybe they're going through something themselves and maybe you're like oh i made you to help me read more and you're just sitting there and that happens because tulpas are complex and sometimes they need a boost too. So, yeah, I guess tulpas have the potential to go into sad and dark places, but you're there too. And you can help lift your tulpa up and in the process lift yourself up as well. Well, it sounds more like a management situation then. You're managing the tulpa, guiding the tulpa as the tulpa guides the host. And this is a very symbiotic relationship, a synerg- synergistic uh, relationship. Yes, it's synergistic, but the power is ultimately in the host. And if that ever changes, then it's no longer tulpamancy. It's, you know, something, I don't know what it is, but it's 
it's no longer the core idea of Tulip. And that never happens from what I've seen. Most people have no problem with this because their Tulpa is so connected with them that they are they don't really need to control their tulpa. They don't need to give it a time out. You know, they're synergistically combined. They know each other. They, they're in each other's thoughts. They're interacting with each other at such a deep level. Mm-hmm. They don't really usually need to control each other like that. But they, if it ever gets okay. to that point, you have that control. They work in concert with each other. Yes, yes, I exactly. Because there's no need for them to be in opposition. They already know what you're going to say. Well, you know, the more I hear about this, the more I'm thinking this could be a very creative solution for a lot of people. I agree with you. That's I'm so with you there. Tulpas seem like they can be applied to a lot of different problems, a lot of different mental struggles that people go with. And it's beyond just depression, anxiety, which we haven't mentioned anxiety, but anxiety Mm -hmm. and loneliness. It goes into you know, helpful behaviors, it goes into being more productive, it goes into, I, I think you could apply tulpas to just about anything you could think of, really, and it could really help. Well, you know, think of it, life is essentially a series of problems, Isaac, and to have this companion with you that is from you, a part of you, working in concert with you, well, now you don't have to face your problems on your own. You know, and being autonomous, it can also, uh, you know, add its own input into the situation. It could, uh, it could make suggestions. Well, uh, maybe we could attack this problem this way or that way. Or yes. have you thought of maybe this technique? And, exactly. and you can work on it together, which, gosh, you know, I, just from my experience working on this show, it's so much easier when I have somebody to work with, um, that uh, I'm very tempted. <laughs> I'm very tempted to try this. I think there's a lot more to learn. I wouldn't want to dive into this not knowing enough, uh, but I can see how people would get a great deal of benefit from doing this. And and I can also see how this would be sort of a private thing, uh, but yet it's made improvement into their lives. And I... <laughs> You know, I just have an odd feeling that this phenomenon is probably gaining traction quite quickly out there. Is it? Is it growing in, in uh, say, that Discord server? Are they getting more and more people? Is it growing? It's bigger. It's about double the size since a few months ago when I first joined it and, and got mm-hmm. in. So, yeah, it's like exponentially growing. Wow. Which That's... is really cool to see. That is, that's incredible, uh, and and <laughs> in the weirdest way, very heartwarming. <laughs> it is heartwarming, right? It's it, it is. It's so strange and novel, and you never would have thought that this could be the solution to some of your problems, but it might be the best one you've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, I would not have thought of this. I would. I, <laughs> not in a million years <laughs> me either honestly I? I just wouldn't have came up you yeah, know and just God. not part of the normal way we think but whoever did come up with this or maybe it was a tulpa that came up with it you know it's like hey make me you know who knows well, where it came from you did mention that earlier tonight you were talking about well some people they get hints from their tulpas far in advance 
And these are nudges from the tulpa, apparently, uh, in Mm -hmm. that it is, you know, standing by to be created, that it was sort of uh, there, just not all the way realized, not all the way, you know, materialized just yet. So this whole entire thing could just be the rise of the tulpas. Uh, They're nudging all of us so they can come into being and inhabit our bodies. That's so exciting. (laughs) That's awesome. I love that thought. This isn't even us making the tulpas. This is the tulpas coming from the backgrounds of consciousness and reaching into life. I love that. Right. God, it's our own consciousnesses propagating themselves. Yep, and they're just they're, they're a new manifestation of the evolution of consciousness at the level we're at today. Oh, it, you're absolutely right. And then I wonder what would happen if say a person was having an ayahuasca experience or a psychedelic experience and they decided in the <laughs> middle of that, you know what? Now's the time. It's time to uh, to make uh, to make my tulpa. Here we go. Wow. That's great. Psychedelic assisted tulpa therapy. All of the insanity of the world all in once. In one thing. <laughs> and then that. on the other end of that, you go through that journey and you come out just perfectly zen. Like I am ready to be my fullest self and I can do anything. Nothing can stop me. You know, in the in a positive way. I can yes, finally exactly. tackle the world, whereas previously the person uh, is just, you know, maybe they maybe they're full of maybe they have some insecurities. <clears throat> maybe they have some limitations or like you were talking about with the inner dialogue. I, I can't draw. I just can't. You know, I do the same thing. I can't grow things. I'm horrible at growing plants. And uh, but the tulpa changes all of that through a a very powerful, heroic, psychedelic experience. And the person comes out. It truly is Isaac. Come on. This truly is a journey from chaos to Zen. But yes, it is. And that was a self-fulfilling prophecy because you came up with that name. And then all of this was brought to the conversation from somewhere in the ether and here it is on your show tonight so i I just love how that all worked out it it literally (laughs) made itself into being it was just like a tulpa coming into existence in that sense in a way right in a weird very weird way well i mean hey you know we're professional weirdos around here we know what we're doing around here uh let's take us another break and when we come back we can talk about more of the research i want to dive into my looking glass and see i haven't looked because you've got my attention you've got me riveted talking about this i haven't even looked at the at that so we'll check up with that and see what i'm sure people must have some questions about all of this and uh, i don't know if we can coax perhaps the phone to ring and take some calls and some questions on that um and i i'm pretty sure there's about what three more aspects of the research we have yet to look at uh, so, you know, we're, we're busy here tonight. This is what Raging Through the Night is all about. And Isaac Lindenberger is with us. If you have landed in the middle of this conversation, mid conversation, uh, I'm sure this is very strange. <laughs> Probably a little strange to you. Although I know that uh, some people are familiar with the phenomenon. Uh, I have never really taken such a dive into the subject i mean privately sure 
I have uh, just going down internet rabbit holes uh, on things. I've done that, but this is um, this is a very enlightening conversation that we're having with Isaac Lindenberger. And if you did land on this show mid conversation, we're talking about tulpas and how beneficial they are. Believe it or not, tulpas are changing lives out there one soul at a time. And it's an incredibly beautiful thing. And, you know, right now the world can kind of look like a chaotic, dangerous, scary place. And this is one thing that's quietly going on out there in the paranormal world that, believe it or not, is quite positive. Can you see a downside into a person bringing companionship into their life, love into their life? I mean, this is truly, it's a cliche, love makes the world go round, but it really does. That's why it's a cliche, because it's true. And that is what a lot of people need right now. And they're getting it in this strange fashion. Therefore, it is the perfect thing for us to talk about on the show with Isaac Lindenberger. We'll be right back. We'll check up with the looking glass. We'll see if we can take some calls. We'll find out a little bit more of the research that Isaac has in hand that, you know, the greater world out there doesn't know anything about. So really a full night that we're having here. I'm happy to bring all of this to you. I'm Heather Wade. Don't touch that dial. Well, that is, if you're a, you're a weirdo like me, any weirdos out there tonight, just by any chance, that may have questions on such an odd phenomenon as this, oh, that just skipped. Very bad. That's an old CD, though. They could probably use a reburn. Well, let's see if we can cram all of this into the time that we have left. Uh, we've got a lot to, a lot to talk about when it comes to this subject. Again, if you're tuning in late, we're talking about the phenomenon of tulpas and tulpamancers. I have never gotten so in depth into this subject as we are tonight with our guest, Isaac Lindenberger. And uh, it really is a strange aspect of consciousness and what the mind can do. And also, this is not a new phenomenon. Uh, this is an ancient practice. And what's really cool, you know, we, I tend to complain a lot about our modern life. But actually, you know, this is an honor and a privilege to be able to talk about this subject because once upon a time, this was only for the holy people, the priests, uh, those who understand these things. And this sort of knowledge was not for the common man. And now in our day and age, we can talk about this. We can bring it to the everyday regular person and they can also benefit from this strange practice and, and perhaps change their lives in a good way think about it. And again, I ask you, would you do this? Just out of curiosity, would you do this? Hmm? Would you experiment in this sort of a way? If you were to make a tulpa of one kind or another, 
what would that tulpa look like? What would that tulpa act like? Um, would you put your imagination to something like this? Uh, I know in the looking glass we've got uh, a lot of responses coming in, and we'll we'll check that out here. Welcome back, Isaac. Um, you know, did did that come up in your conversations at all? That uh, this used to be only for uh, the priestly class and not for the common man, or am I wrong about that? Because in my reading about it, that's what I understood that this was really regulated in the past to just I, I I hate to use this word because it's so contaminated nowadays. But once upon a time, this was for. Uh, the spiritual elite. Yes, that's completely right. The, I mean, the common people didn't have a lot of spiritual recourse back in the day for just about any spiritual practice, including tulpas. You know, they weren't really allowed to engage in their independent beliefs. A lot of people would still, but if they got caught, it was hearsay or it was against the religion of the time. So people had to be careful with it. And sometimes it was with the religion of the time. Similar with the golem thing, but um, the origin of the tulpas itself, that is more of a Tibet thing, which I think you've mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it really is an interesting thing that we can talk about this stuff openly and that now the common person can uh, get involved with this or create this uh, a tulpa for themselves and enjoy the benefits of it and the adventure. I mean, this sounds like like a tailored personal adventure for an individual, which is really yeah. cool to me. And it's open access now, so why not try it? You know, it's not limited to the spiritual leaps like at, at the time where it was originally developed. It's no longer limited. So you have the opportunity to access this amazing tool if you choose. And I think for a lot of people, it's really good. And that's, I'm not imagining that. That's what they're telling me. They're like, I made a tulpa, and my life is way better. You know, it's it's um, coming straight from them. Mm-hmm. On the subreddits that I was reading, uh, Isaac, I did not find a single negative post, not one. I never found I never found somebody who regretted making their tulpa, and the only time I ever heard of somebody wanting to get rid of their tulpa was the crazy story that Bessel told me with the person who had been using benzodiazepines, but they had other tulpas in their system, too, that they kept. There was only one tulpa that they ended up um, booting, but um, that person was not, you know, mentally healthy. So, okay. you know, that's the only exception is somebody who wasn't fully there, and tulpas also helped them still. Their remaining tulpas, like, all got together, and it was like a tulpa, like, they had, like, a funeral if I'm recalling correctly, and like it was like if somebody passed in real life for them. It's really interesting. Wow. So really what that sounds like to me is just a little chapter in that person's tulpa adventure. Yeah, because they still have other tulpas still, right? And right. so that tulpa's time was up. It's not like the tulpa was, you know, put to death and executed. It was sent into a black hole, but, you know. But it depends on how you look at it, I guess. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, very... It's more if it was his time to move on. You know, that's wow. how I think it went. Very interesting. Well, I'm just dying with curiosity to see here what uh, 
what folks out there think. So let me see here in my in my looking glass. I don't have a tulpa. I have a looking glass. Uh, Royal in Connecticut says it's always such an interesting and mind blowing discussion when Isaac is on. Oh, thank you. <laughs> he sounds like he doesn't have a mean bone in his body. Great guest, great show. Well, thank you, Royal. Oh, um, I just absolutely adore Isaac. I adore his enthusiasm. Uh, and just he's fun to fun to talk to and also a delight to work with. And you know what? That's what I like in my life. So uh, I gravitate to um, to that type of person. Uh, Austin from Philly, who was very excited for this tonight. Uh, he was sending me comments even before we got on the air. He says, great show. I like Isaac's question about machine elves who built the a- alien amusement park. I think I might do this. Oh, Ooh, that's awesome! So, that's hey, the spirit. Austin from Philly may go on his adventure, and uh, and and by the way, just before, I, so I I don't want to forget. If any of you out there decide to embark on this, uh, do tell. Please tell me about it when you feel ready to to tell me about it. I would love to hear all about it. Now, Karina, who arranged my um, two minutes with Kate Mulgrew is just giving me an update here. Apparently, Kate Mulgrew has, in fact, signed the physical copy of our selfie together, and she's now sent it back to the GalaxyCon, and GalaxyCon will now send it to me. She says you should have it in the next few weeks. So, yeah, I'm probably going to pass out when I open that package out of the mail. (laughs) Pretty cool. Thank you. That's awesome. Karina, there's, 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 I don't know... I don't know how I could ever thank you for this. I really don't. Uh, but bless your heart uh, for arranging all of that. Um, okay, so Vaughn says here, he says, it wouldn't surprise me if Stephen King didn't create a tulpa. He wrote an entire book about a writer who created a character. Is that the dark half? I, I read that book, the dark half, then killed it off in the series only to have it rise from the grave for revenge. The book's name Ooh. escapes me at the moment. That's I could be wrong, but that to me sounds like the dark half. Um, that and sounds awesome. Have you ever read that? No, but it sounds sounds like a great story. Oh, it's wild. Oh, Isaac, this is such a crazy, wild story. And as the name implies, it is it's rather dark. But he does create this alter ego, this other personality, and then it gets its own uh, autonomy. It becomes its own being and starts wow. doing what it wants to do. And, you know, uh, he, he in the book, he's described as a high-toned SOB. I can't say the actual term. Um, but, yeah, he, he becomes a rather... Um, uh, a force to be reckoned with. And then I think the character has to deal with him in the story. But yeah, the dark half, I think. Vaughn, if you're thinking of a different story, uh, let me know. But yeah, I'd, I'd go looking for that. It's a little bit of an old book, Isaac, but it should be pretty easy to find in paperback now. Or, hey, it might even be on audiobook, knowing the way things go these yeah. days. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if the dark half would qualify as a tulpa though i'd need you to read the book and and you tell me if that qualifies as a tulpa i'm not quite sure 
uh, or on it. That's my next research project. Yeah, it's interesting and, think, and personal fun. Yeah, well, and and there's probably signs uh, throughout the past couple hundred years of our culture of tulpas, and maybe we just didn't call it that. Um, let me see here. Now, Mike in Montana says, uh, how is a tulpa any different than a puka, such as Harvey in the movie Harvey with Jimmy Stewart from 1950? Are they not both spirits? Can a tulpa be destroyed if they take on a life of their own, or is that considered unethical? Well, you're up, Isaac. Do you know the reference he's making, the Harvey thing? Uh, I can answer the second question. Well, I've never seen the movie he's talking about, but I do know a little bit about pukas. I did an interview with Varla Ventura, who wrote a book about pukas. Uh, it would seem to me that pukas probably have a little bit of differences with tulpas. Uh, pukas apparently uh, show up, you know, and, and they can be a part of us. Tulpas seem to be made intentionally, on purpose, whereas a puka kind of shows up and then we add to it when it already shows up. But a tulpa is something that it sounds like the individual creates from the ground up. Yes, that sounds like that sounds like the difference to me. And and Mike in Montana, if I'm off on that, uh, you know where to find me. The phone lines are open uh, <laughs> right. on that. Now, can a tulpa be destroyed if they take on a life of their own, or is that considered unethical? Uh, we've we've I think approached this a couple times in our conversation, but go right ahead, Isaac. Yes. So it can be difficult to destroy a tulpa if you so choose, because it's you know it's thought. So if you try to kill it by thinking about it. It's going to kind of give it energy, you know, at, at the very least, we don't really know if a tulpa is thought or what it consists of. But at the psychological level, thinking at something that you're trying to not think about is not going to help you not think about it. So that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, but, um, exactly. Yes, I I uh, this I fail at this all the time when I try to not think about chocolate. I end right. up having a whole bunch of chocolate. Exactly. So you <laughs> you can't try to think about it or try to get it away. You just have to figure out how to, I mean, the guy that we know of who's done this already sent it into a black hole. And what that reminds me of is like a breakup where you write someone's name and then you on a piece of paper and then you burn it, you throw it in the fire. Mm -hmm. You know, you're symbolically representing the end of your relationship. And that symbolism with relationships is really powerful. It can help you to move on because you've cemented, uh, the, you know, the breakup and the move on, you've cemented it into an event that you've experienced. And with the tulpas, you know, you're cementing your giving up on the tulpa into this thought of, you know, sending into a black hole or whatever. So you can do it. And, um, I, it's not unethical per se in all circumstances, but it is frowned upon strongly in the tulpa community to bring a being into existence and then end its existence unless you know, you can get into gray territory. What if the tulpa wants its life to end? You know, maybe it's not depressed, let's say, but maybe it's, you know, lived its life fully. Maybe the tulpa has been around for 20 years mm-hmm. and it wants to move on to the next level of its existence. And maybe that's the next step in the tulpa's spiritual evolution. So, 
You don't want to end a toothless life prematurely, but I can see circumstances where it's ready to move on and it's not any way unethical. Well, and your gentleman there who who did something like this with one of his tulpas, it sounds like it was very ceremonial. It wasn't yes. just, okay, I'm done with you now. It looked, it as you're describing it, it sounds like a whole process that they went through, treated this entire thing with a great deal of respect and all of that, and they had a ceremony to say goodbye to this energy now, and it doesn't sound uh, trivial or frivolous at all. Yes, I'm with you 100%, and I think that that ceremonial aspect, you know, when you're putting the right intention into it, I don't think it's unethical at all. I think you can think about it in a way that would be, like, you know, I'm going to make a tool play and then murder it, but, you know, I mean, I can't, I need to be in the wrong state of mind to be yeah. approaching this topic with that kind of a mindset. So, yeah. no, I think it's very rare that anything like that would border border on anything unethical. Yeah, we certainly don't do that with thought forms. Um, actually, if I were to create a thought form that went a little squirrely, a little by the wayside, I would actually work with the thought form. Now, why did you do that? Why did yes. you scare the cats? And, right. and you would Much have better. a conversation with the being and, and you would work that out. You wouldn't just say, you, you know, you wouldn't just ghost it. You wouldn't just go, well, psh, Enough right. for you, I, I, that, you know, because that's going to create some spiritual turbulence in your life that you really wouldn't want to deal with. Uh, it, yeah, it's, and, yeah, much more ethical to work with it. I'm with you. And you have a responsibility to this creature. I mean, it's it's not like, you know, it's not like you have I, – I actually, I guess I do think it is an important responsibility because you've brought a sentient personality into existence. Whether you look at it – Metaphysically or not, I mean, you could view Tulpa as completely psychologically, but this is a personality substructure at the very least that has its own agency and will disagree with you and has its own will and volition. And that, you know, we're getting into the depths of how we define identity and what we think identity even is. Kind of like on Star Trek, we were talking about earlier, mm -hmm. where, you know, you have the hologram and is it a person or is it a hologram? Well, it starts to develop a personality and become more of a person over time. And so you have a responsibility in my mind to once you've brought a sentient being into existence to treat it fairly and treat it right and not just turn your back on it when things get hard. You know, you don't do that with people. So you, you shouldn't do it with a tulpa. Hmm. And it also sounds like and correct me here if I'm wrong on this, <clears throat> but it sounds like the tulpas have this capacity for unconditional loving, caring. So you wouldn't want to just coldly give give them the cold shoulder. You know, if, if I had yeah. a problem with one of my cats, you know, I love them. I'm there for them for their whole lives from beginning to end. So if I've got a problem with one of my cats, I'm not just going to throw them outside. Well, you've, exactly. you've gone south, you've turned sour and gone bad out the door with you. No, not at all. You're going to work with your pet, you know, or same thing with a dog. You know, dogs chewing up your shoes. You're not going to just uh, just say, well, he's a bad dog and get rid of him. You're going to work with the animal. Same concept, I would think, but probably on an entirely different spiritual level with tulpas, again, this is incredibly intimate connection. And, you know, look at our relationships and friendships. If you have an intimate connection with somebody, 
you're going to be more inclined to uh, work through something that comes up like that. Right. You don't want to throw away a potential best friend and even even potential partner. I mean, I'm not too versed. I, I mainly know tulpas as friends and companions, mm-hmm. um, not usually as romantic partners, but that's actually what some of the research gets into is looking at um, tulpas and uh, romantic relationships. There was a study on that. Oh, was there? Is that out of order or was that the third study? That's or? The, well, the third one we already talked about. The third one was um, the research on tulpas and how they first talk to you. And they mainly talk to you to emotion or with um, sentences and words, but sometimes through dreams and head pressure. There's a variety of different ways that a tulpa can initially contact you. So we talked about that one. So the next one is that one, the Tulpa's Relationships. Uh-huh. And it's easy. Rabbit hole. What did they find out? with it? Because, again, as I read, a lot of people have very involved relationships with their Tulpas. Yes, they do. So this was probably the most interesting study that out of the data set. Um The next one, the last one is cool and it's interesting, but it's kind of intuitive. This one, you wouldn't really expect all of the things they found. So tulpas and relationships. It makes sense that a tulpa might become a source of romantic chemistry because the tulpa is in close proximity to your extraordinary interpersonal chemistry. You know, it's there in a way that people never are. And what's funny this study found this very few hosts intend on a romantic relationship with their tulpa, Mm. but it seems to happen anyways, a lot of the time. So I think 5% of tulpas, tulpa mancers intend on dating their tulpas five to 10% Mm -hmm. ends up around 50% end up in a romantic relationship. Wow. That's and a... that's out of the 100 people surveyed. So it's not, you know, a huge sample, but it's actually a pretty big sample, in my opinion. And that's 50% out of five. I mean, there's something there, you know, people do not intend on this to happen. And then it happens, they end up falling in love. And that's how love works in the real world. You know, you don't, you don't usually end up trying to fall in love with the person you fall in love with, you know, you don't, force it you just end up being friends with them and then things work out the way they work out mm-hmm. seems to be a pattern with tulpas too hmm. wow well you know humans tend to um we tend to bond over uh over trauma traumatic experiences you experience a, a traumatic experience with somebody and then you tend to bond over that so if your tulpa is helping you to overcome problems in your life, it seems like a natural progression that you would end up getting closer and closer and even more involved. And if they reside next to your soul within you, well, your tulpa is going to know you like no other person even could. So naturally, something like that might develop. Exactly. Because tulpas are made to be compassionate and compatible with their host. You're not going to make a tulpa that you know doesn't like you. You're going to make a tulpa that's there for you. And so it makes sense that that romantic chemistry has the potential to be developed. But it's never by the host. I mean, not usually, at least. Sometimes it can be. There's a lot of variety. But usually it's the tulpa who initiates the relationship. 
and it's the tulpa who wants to take the relationship further when it's already started and it's the tulpa who's happier with the relationship than the host the host is usually happy with the relationship but the tulpa is usually happier wants to take it further and usually starts it <laughs> so unconditional love wasn't too far off no it's not <laughs> this this uh, study was actually going to be titled Tulpas or Thirsty Study, and they ended up they ended up not naming it that. It's an analysis of Tulpa host relationships, which I think is a better title, but I thought that was really funny. And it makes sense because I think I mentioned this to you briefly earlier, but Tulpas don't have a lot of fish in the sea. You're their only option for an expression of romantic feelings or, or even sexual feelings with some Tulpas. So it makes sense that that would end up happening and that mm -hmm. the tulpa would initiate it. Well, and I don't see anything wrong with a little more love in the world, whether it's between tulpa and tulpamancer or whatever form it tends to come in. If this is beneficial to the person, um, great, great. We need yeah. a little more love in this world. And being a Tibetan tradition... It doesn't surprise me one bit that these are, uh, at the get-go, compassionate beings. So then that makes more sense why, when I was reading about this and, and reading about the people who have experiences with this, the subjects that tend to come up in communicating with spirits don't come up very often in the conversations about tulpas. You don't necessarily see a lot of conversations about the tulpas going bad or the experience becoming negative or 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 it backfiring on yeah. the tulpamancer. You just don't see a whole lot of that. So Very rare. Yeah. So that makes a lot more sense now because they're intended to be compassionate beings in the first place. Yes, exactly. And, and some people even think the negative stories are just made up, which, I mean, I think it's possible that they can happen. But yes, they are definitely very rare, especially compared to other forms of this kind of thing. So so the most interesting part of the study, this was the last part of it. Um, this was just crazy. It can take some convincing to actually, from the tulpa's end to the host, it, it's not just, hey, I like you oh, I like you back. It's not that easy. So sometimes the tulpa will express how it feels. You know, I like you. However that happens, I'm not really sure. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, what was the data set? So some people, so the tulpa usually expresses the feelings first. And there was how long after the tulpa expressed its feelings did you express similar feelings, if at all? And a lot of people expressed reciprocated feelings within a few days, um, a lot of people within a few weeks, but some people, it took over a year. Can you imagine that? I mean, just think about that for a second. You have a tulpa you've made, and it expresses a romantic feeling for you, and you don't reciprocate it, but after being with that tulpa for multiple years, then Finally, you start to come around and fall in love back, fall back in love with it when it's been in love with you this whole time, like, and it takes years to happen. Like, that's that's just insane. Whoa. It's awesome though. It's so it cool. Is. It's like that a real really relationship. Is. That's incredible. A human one. I mean, that sounds like real love right there. Real love takes time. 
Isaac. It doesn't happen at the snap of a finger, you know. Uh, We all wish it did. But that sounds like something incredibly real. So then uh, if you go through a process like that with your tulpa, you two are no wonder they describe their relationships with their tulpas as soulmates. Yes, exactly. And this this is 50% of tulpa mancers in this study had a romantic relationship with their tulpa. 50 other percent didn't. They had their tulpas as strictly companions. So it depends on what you want. But sometimes, well, it doesn't necessarily depend on what you want because 90% of people make their tulpa with the intention of it just being a companion. But then it ends up 50% end up dating the tulpa because they come around and they actually fall in love with the tulpa because... It's the closest, it's so close to you. It's so intimate and it's so loving and it knows you 100% completely inside and out. You're not hiding anything from it like other people. So sure, there's no secret. It makes sense that tulpas can be married to their host. Like when I mentioned that tidbit earlier that they can sometimes yeah. be married, it really makes sense now oh. why that might end up happening. You know, I once heard in a movie love described as a person that knows all the worst things about you and it's okay. I love that. And yeah. that's what this sounds like. This is truly beautiful. It really is. Wow. I think so too. It's so cute. It almost brings it almost brought tears to my eyes when I saw the person who said that their tulpa said that they loved them and then they didn't reciprocate it for years down the line. I was just thinking about the insane depth that that relationship must be like and the inner life that that person is experiencing with that tulpa. That is just unreal and profound. It, it, oh, that's beautiful. the word. That's the word. It is profound. And and what a transformation for the tulpamancer also uh, because they start out in, in a uh, less than ideal condition and then, however long it takes, maybe a year, maybe two years or three on down the road, now they've got this spiritual soulmate. Uh, and and topomancers, I apologize if my terms aren't accurate, um, but that is to me what it sounds like. It almost sounds like the two beings become intertwined. Yeah, just like a romantic relationship with another human individual, you can intertwine your souls into kind of one soul. But this is that intertwining happening within one mental structure, one system. And so it's I I, I, I don't want to come across like, you know, you should just break up with your girlfriend and oh, date a tulpa instead, no. obviously. But no. like, I think that. Both are valid relationships, is I guess what I'm getting at. You know, a relationship with a human and a relationship with a tulpa, it's a personality structure that has its own agency that you're involved with. So I see it as just as valid. And, you know, it'd be great if one day the government lets you marry your tulpa and I can sign off on my tax returns. But, you know, I don't know. If <laughs> can we'll I see, hey, we'll I'll see get, if we get there. i get two stimulus checks if they do that. <laughs> um. <laughs> Me and Basil, we we got two mouths here, you know, one mouth technically, but he's got a, a mental mouth and it needs fed. <laughs> oh goodness, wow, this is really really trippy here tonight. Uh, now, Adrian in Connecticut has got uh, a question here. She says, "Tulpas are a creation. Earth and everything on it is said to be a creation by a creator." 
here we get into God territory again. Interesting. Uh, does that make us and everything on earth tulpas? That's an interesting point. That That is looking at tulpas, kind of like we were talking about earlier, and like the how, the relationship between creation and being. It, it puts tulpas at the level where, yeah, we're a tulpa. You know, if 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 God created us and we are autonomous beings in the mental substructure of the greater divine being, then, you know, we're like God's tulpas in this framework. We're like God's tulpas, and then we have our own tulpas, and then sometimes our tulpas make tulpas, and then who knows what they're up to in the wonderland, you know, what's going on there? It might just be an infinite fractal of, of, of autonomy and agency down the lines of consciousness. Boy, it really gives a whole new meaning to the phrase, we're all connected. Doesn't <laughs> yes, it? it? Does. Ooh, that yes, gives a whole does. new trippy spin on that concept. I'm gonna make that into an animation. The the God Tulpa Fractal video. That would be great. <laughs> oh man. Well, and here's another question, which I can see why a person would would think this. But again, I I well, you're our expert here. I'm not gonna try to. I I won't try to answer this. But Vaughn is asking. Um, he says, does Isaac believe it's possible to create negative tulpas, i.e. a monster or the devil? Well, if you decided you wanted Satan to be your companion, um, maybe you can go on that endeavor and let me know. But I, I, I don't think anything's impossible. I guess I'd just highly advise against that. And I guess it, it's, I don't know, it's such a weird question. I don't think... It's impossible, but I feel like here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, Heather. You can make a tulpa that you personality forcing. Remember we talked about it earlier, mm-hmm. where you can you can embed it with characteristics, and they can say, "Screw this! I'm going to be my own person, and I'm going to do what I want." And you know, I could see that happening with a with a dark tulpa, or if somebody in a dark state decides they want a dark companion. Um, I could see the Tulpa being personality force with dark characteristics, like, you know, things that aren't great. And the Tulpa saying, you know, I'm not about this. I want to I want to radiate a higher vibration, you know, and it will lift you up with you and then it will resonate you into a higher state. So I think that that would backfire if you made a dark Tulpa. It would start out a little dark and it would use its agency to lift its vibration and then it'd bring you along for the ride. That's how I think that would go. It kind of seems to me to be against the very nature of what tulpas are to create a negative one. You know, that to me is more in the realm of thought forms. Uh, You could could try. You could try, but I don't think it's going to work. I think the tulpa is not going to be about that, and it's going to bring you along for the ride. So, and I think if if a person did create this negative being, very negative, dark being, angry being, then that is probably not a tulpa. That's something else. I don't think it would even. I don't even think the tulpa would form into that. Yeah, I think it would. I think it would, since it is an agent, it is, it has autonomy. It would realize what's going on. You know, it, it's along for the ride too. It's not subjugated by your own, you know, mental structure. So yeah. it would see what you're trying to do and it would contest it. I mean, I think this is what would happen. It'd be like, you know, 
I am not about this. You know, you're, we're going to cheer you up. And, you know, that's how I see it happening. Yeah, so, I think the Tulpa yeah. would recognize, now, wait a minute, you're in an incredibly dark place. And I think the Tulpa, and again, what do I know about it? But just learning about it from you, I think the Tulpa would see that as a bit of a, a cry for help. Exactly. You know, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. And we need to address that, I would think. Um, otherwise, if you do create such a dark being, then I think that's not a tulpa in the traditional sense. That, again, would, would maybe be something else entirely. Uh, let me see. What is this here? Oh, Vaughn is confirming here for me. Yes, to the dark half. The sparrows are coming. Yeah, yeah, I remember that from the book. Uh, and he says here, Apuka is part of the fairy realm. That's true. Uh, therefore, not the same as a tulpa. At least that's my understanding. Thank you, Vaughn. Um, Lupe says here, uh, good evening. Great show. How do you spell the tulpa? Uh, T-U-L-P-A, or am I spelling it wrong? Mm -hmm. No, I think that's correct. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm interested in exploring this level. Have an awesome evening and enjoying the ride as always. Well, hey, I mean, there's the, the awesome. second person so far tonight that's tempted uh, to, to get into this. So very cool and very interesting. And, you know, that's something that I love about our entire conversation about this tonight. Uh, there's very little, if any, negativity to be found. And think about this. This is how dark our world is becoming that we automatically think of the dark things. Well, isn't this some sort of possession? Couldn't the Tulpa decide to kill me? Couldn't this, you know, go wrong? This is speaking to where our our collective consciousness is right now. So I think the world needs Tulpas, and I think the Tulpa world recognized that, and they have showed up. They're definitely here, and they are making their presence known by the day. As you mentioned, that Discord server <laughs> has exponentially grown. And now, based on our conversation, Tulpas are going out on your radio show. So this is, we're engaged in the process of them trying to become known. So you're totally right. Right. I wonder if there are any Tulpas listening to us right now. Oh, I, I I bet there are. And if not, then there will be tools that are developed in the future who will remember this event in their host memory. We well, already have two. Just so they know, I just want to put this out there. I am very Tulpa friendly. We welcome Tulpas in the Kingdom of Nye. No worries on that. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, this is uh, as weird as I've gotten in a little while here, Isaac. Oh, that's um, an honor to hear from you, Heather. It really is. <laughs> so I think there was one more study there, and I don't want to let the night go by without learning about it. Uh, what What is the other study that you've got, and what does it tell us about the phenomenon? So the last study, the fifth study in this data set is the perfect one to end on, given the name of our episode tonight. It is an investigation of long-term tulpa happiness, is the study. So what they were doing was they were looking at what factors makes a tulpa more happy. And I love this study because they're not just looking at the host happiness. They're looking at the tulpa's happiness, too. Because it, it, the host happiness matters, of course. Your happiness matters. Everyone listening right now, all of us, our happiness is important and it's real. But 
it's not just our our system. It, we're not the only part of our system if we decide to make a tulpa, and that tulpa's happiness matters as well as well. So what are the factors here that correlate with a tulpa's happiness and its host happiness? So this is what they found. The more time spent with your tulpa, or sorry, the more time spent with the host, the happier the tulpa. So if the tulpa is spending more time with you, it's happier, which makes sense because the tulpa isn't really able to interact with others. And so it's kind of being deprived of a social life if you interact with it once a week. You know, it's really being sheltered. But some people interact with their tulpa for multiple hours a day. And those tulpas are the happiest. The tulpas that, you know, you have a relationship with. And really, it makes sense. You know, the stronger the relationship, the more you're going to interact with it, the happier the tulpa and the happier the host. Wow. Well, it makes perfect sense. Absolutely perfect sense. And, you know, that's sort of endearing. They want to spend time with their hosts. That is yes. quite endearing. And it does, uh, it does make perfect sense. I mean, you wouldn't want to, it, it, to me, again, I go right to pets because that's something I can wrap my mind around. You know, you wouldn't want to have a dog and just chain him outside to the tree. You know, right. exactly. What's the point? The What's dog's the point? not going to be very happy with a life like that. And maybe once a week you bring him inside for the day or for the night or something like that. That dog is not going to be properly fulfilled at all, um, which it seems the same would apply for the tulpas. So the tulpas, tulpas are thirsty. They want that <laughs> companionship. They want yes. to spend time with us uh, or with their hosts, their creators. And uh, the world needs that, too, you know, because what do we do? What do we spend our lives doing nowadays, Isaac, avoiding people? And this isn't healthy, you know, yeah. and, and maybe it's because the people around us uh, are acting strangely or demanding too much from us. This tulpa tulpamancer relationship sounds to me like a very uh, productive thing where each one is adding to the other. So the tulpa benefits from the tulpamancer's uh, time that they spend together. The tulpamancer benefits uh, from the synergy with this being they have created. And it just continues to feed itself as more time goes by. And that, again, is what uh, what people are craving as far as fulfillment now. Our modern society doesn't provide a whole lot of that. And if it does, a person would not be out of their mind to be a little bit suspicious of it, you know? Uh, and, and that is where we are nowadays because there's a lot of betrayal with friendships nowadays. Uh, people yeah. tend to be quite self-centered and self-serving and tulpas aren't. They, they have their autonomy, but it seems like they exist for their host which yeah. is an incredible thing and they really do and you feel like a burden some uh, not not to say this is true for everyone but sometimes when you're around other people you can feel like a burden around them not to say you are i think this is usually just mental self-talk that's not very healthy but sometimes you don't know if the person spending time with you is enjoying it you sometimes you can't tell mm -hmm. um but with a dolpa they really want to spend time with you i mean that's that's what fulfills their existence. So you have someone who really cherishes your presence. 
And that adds to the unconditional love that you can experience from the tulpa, I think. That's incredible. Yeah, it's so cool. So they they found that in this study, and it makes sense that, you know, it's like with human relationships, you know, and with dogs. That was a good example with the dog chained outside, but it's true with romantic relationships as well. It's true with a lot of relationships. So that's not necessarily a surprise, but um, they found a few other things here that were interesting. Oh, okay. Tulpa age isn't correlated with tulpa happiness. Um, That makes sense. A tulpa who's newborn isn't necessarily more happy as a tulpa that's five years old. Okay. I think tulpas are just always vibing. So there's not like, you know, there's not a certain period where they're higher than a different period, which I guess it'd be interesting if that was different, but I I like that. Um, Also, the number of tulpas isn't correlated with happiness. I might have mentioned this earlier, Yeah. but that's where this comes from. Okay. A tulpa doesn't, yeah, we talked about only children. That's right. And um, tulpas don't mind if they're only children or if they're in a family of tulpas in a whole system. It doesn't get to them. Uh, this one's kind of a surprise, though. Tulpas are usually happier than their host on a subjective well-being scale. Tulpas will rate 9 and the host will rate 8. Or the tulpa will rate 7 and the tulpa will rate 6. Now, sometimes it's different. Sometimes it's changed. And I think that's because when you ask 100 people you're getting a hundred different relationships that are happening at different times. Mm-hmm. So sometimes the tulpa is down on its day and sometimes you are down on your day. But in general, tulpas seem to be more positive, more um, happy. And that makes sense because people are making tulpas when they're usually depressed or lonely or feeling like they need something that a tulpa fulfills and gives them, rightly so. And so a tulpa is going to be made intentionally an elevated state to your own because you want it to rise you up. You want to match that tulpa's level. So you make something at a higher vibration than you, and then you're able to come up to that level and match it. So I guess it makes sense that tulpas are usually happier than their host. Oh, wow. So they sound like advanced beings of some sort. So then that makes me wonder, did the ancient Tibetans... Did they discover the existence of tulpas, or did they create this out of the thin air? I, I have this strange idea that the tulpa energy was somehow there, and they recognized it and harnessed it and gave them their existence in a, in a, in a symbiotic sort of a way. Yes, I think that um, tulpas are, they've been around for a long time, but I think they are coming back into the culture in a way that never has happened before. Like, this is different than what's happened in the past. I really think that tulpas have the potential to become like a real part of our culture and in a way that isn't stigmatized, but celebrated, where maybe if you're someone who doesn't have a tulpa, you know, that's what is worth being embarrassed about because everyone else has one. You know, not to say that not having a tulpa is bad or anything, but, you know, it would be interesting if the stigma was flipped on its head and switched. I would well, I would sure. be really interested to see that. Yeah. So. I mean, can you imagine conversations that go a little bit like this? You know, my tulpa gave me this great idea. Let me tell you about it. Right. Oh. And that's just normal. That would be so dope. Wouldn't that be, that would be a a little bit of a different world, that's for sure. 
Um, or, or, you know, I can see any number of ways this could come up in our conversation and, uh, in conversations that we have with each other. And, uh, and, and this necessarily wouldn't replace human interaction, but it may actually counterintuitively facilitate human interaction because if, if the tulpa heals the tulpa mancer, and makes them a more whole person, then they are now ready to go out and have human interaction with with others. Uh, and, I and, love that. Yeah, and they would come from a more um, fulfilled place in in those human interactions, and not from a broken place. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes sense. I was just talking with someone about this the other day, where it was somebody who had been through a breakup, and he was wondering why girls weren't as attracted to him as before. And I was trying to tell him as nice as I could that, and I've experienced this myself, when you go through a breakup like that, you're used to having your fulfillment come from an external source, a certain degree of it at least. And um, you start looking for that again. and you, People can see it's missing. But once you're able to generate that within yourself, people see it and they recognize it and they're attracted to you. It, it, like not attracted romantically, like they're energetically attracted to you mm -hmm. and it creates something that's, you know, more real. And I think Torpas have the potential to do that. Like you said, where they can heal you and lift you up to the point that you're ready to be social. Your anxiety is curved a little bit and your loneliness has been supplemented to the degree where you can engage with other people in a more honest and a more real sense where your that fulfillment doesn't need to come from them. You've already got it. So now your interpersonal relationships are better. You're having more of them, which is kind of counterintuitive, but it adds up. It all makes sense. And that is the last thing that they found in this research, which comes back full circle because it's something that we all already knew. Tulpas make their host happier. Once you make a tulpa, your happiness goes from like four to eight. And it's insane. Like it doubles for most of these people. And it's like going on an exponential scale. And, like, we already knew that from the literature of people who explain having tulpas, but it's good to have that in a number. Wow. Good to have that in a research study. So, yeah. yeah, tulpas make people happier. And like you said, they can make people more fulfilled to the degree where they can more authentically engage with their life. Oh, yeah. Well, that reminds me of, a, of an expression about relationships. A lot of people think that, say, a girlfriend boyfriend or husband wife relationship ought to be 50 50 but that's not correct it should be 100 percent 100 percent not 50 50 so it's a hundred percent the one partner and a hundred percent the other partner those two come together yeah, and now that. they emerge something greater than the two you see what i mean I love that. This is what relationship counselors will tell people in like marriage counseling and this sort of a thing. It's not 50-50, it's 100-100. And we tend to uh, forget about that. What are we what are we bringing to the relationship? We ought to be bringing 100% of ourselves and a tulpa would allow a broken person to heal and then bring 100% of themselves to then a human relationship. Yes, exactly. And then if everybody gets on this train, you know, we could have people who are more fulfilled and elevated in their lives. And it's not just, it's not just good. This is my own personal take on it. It's not just good that tulpas are making human lives better. 
and we're engaging with other people more authentically and having better lives. That is all amazing, awesome. But it's also good that these tulpas are coming into existence. Now we have more beings able to experience life and able to experience the depths of what it is to be a person. Even if you're a person in a system of tulpas, you have an identity. There is more to go around to experience the depth of our reality. And that's a beautiful thing to me. Oh, it is. And very well put. Also, it would, I would think, and this is just sort of me thinking out loud, a little bit of a theory here, but we tend to feel a sense of lack in our lives. You know, advertising is what fosters this mostly. Uh, uh, capitalism tends to add to that a little bit too. Uh, this sense of lack that we have, that there's not enough to go around. And yeah. uh, with this, it would seem that a person would gain over time, over time, not overnight, but over time, they would gain this sense that there isn't so much lack in the world, especially if you feel fulfilled and your happiness on a happiness scale has gone from a four to an eight you know, this is a person who now uh, has a sense that uh, there isn't so much lack in the world, that there's enough love to go around at least, and that's going to change a person's disposition and worldview in a big way. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if, if your well-being goes from a four to an eight, I mean, your life is new. I mean, you have a fresh perspective on life, and you can really... I, it goes back to what we were talking about before, when you have these stories that you tell yourself that limit you, like I can't paint, mm -hmm. you know, once you, once you elevate your vibration and you're actually going at life from a more positive perspective, it's like a new life and, and you're able to embrace it and you're able to take it by, you know, really able to take it by the chains and experience what you want to experience out of it. So I encourage anyone who tries to make a tulpa. Um, and is encouraged by listening to this that thinks the tulpa might help them in their life for any of the reasons we've talked about tonight. Don't worry if you don't get responses too quickly. It takes about two weeks for most people, but it can take longer. It can take up to two months, but you're making a lifelong companion. So it's worth the efforts. And I advise people to go on the forums like you were talking about. You were on Reddit looking up tulpas. Um, Tulpa Guides is the YouTube channel that I found. So I just encourage people who are not seeing immediate results to know that it takes time, but it's worth your efforts, mm. at least in my view, and also everyone's view who has made a Tulpa as well. Well, and if they want an interesting look into this world and this phenomenon, I mean, you just did this interview with Bezel, and I don't think you have your shows uh, behind a paywall like I do at thelucidtruth.com. Can anybody go to your website and listen to that interview that you did? Yes, yes. Um, thelucidtruth.com, the, the last episode, which is about a month ago, um, is to bezel the tulpa tulpa therapy and it's a little picture of um a girl walking and then there's a little ghost walking by her and they're smiling and talking to each other walking together <laughs> oh this is what the world needs this is weird this is this is all about love and understanding and fulfillment and advancement talk about you know everybody talks about wanting to raise their consciousness to a higher level this is a real way people could do 
that. And again, very bizarre, <clears throat> but um, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, Mikey Montana says here, weird show, Heather. Art would be proud. Yeah, I can feel, I can certainly feel his presence over my shoulder here. Uh, Pax is, is definitely one that uh, came into this conversation a little bit late, says, gosh darn it, I came in late tonight 20 minutes ago. Can't wait to listen to you and Isaac from earlier tonight in the archive. Oh, I'll get the, I'll get this in there. Uh, ASAP. Reminder to all out there that becoming a writer of night. Oh, look at this. Aren't you a sweetheart, Pax? Becoming a writer of Nye is not expensive and so valuable when you miss a show like tonight. Can't wait to learn more Tulpa. Well, hey, I mean, we went in tonight deeper than I ever have into this subject, thanks to the generosity of Isaac Lindenberger, our great guest, Royal in Connecticut, uh, is says here, I'm seriously considering creating a tulpa of my own. Will Isaac eventually create one for himself? I want to make one really bad, but I, I, I'm also, I want to keep an objective view of my research because now I'm researching this with um, my university professor who, you know, we talked about it. I was, you know, feeling confident and I made the pitch during the meeting. But, um, you know, I, I probably will. Um, one day I already had a design for a tool, but it was going to be named Uriel, which is an angel's name. And mm -hmm. I was going to embed it with positive characteristics. And I was thinking maybe it will look like a machine elf because I love machine elves. And maybe it will be a ball of light that then births into a machine elf that then becomes my tulpa. I visualized it a lot without actually going through the creation process. And, um, yeah, I think I'm definitely a person who will end up with a tulpa one day to answer that question. Wow. Wow. And how creative is that? I would want my tulpa to look like a gray alien. That see, that would be so awesome. I'd want to hang out. They could hang out. Yeah. My alien. Yeah. Your alien tulpa with my machine. Oh, they could be friends. <laughs> Yeah, I'd want I'd I'd already know what I'd want him to look like. He'd be uh the embodiment of Skinny Bob. That's what I that's what mine would look like and be just as friendly. I don't know how other people see Skinny Bob, uh but I see him as a rather friendly, very wise and knowing little guy, and that's what I would want my tulpa to be. I'd want to hang out with a little alien gray. That'd be the closest I think I'll ever get to communicating with an alien anyhow. So <laughs> Well, you've got you've got yourself set up to make one for, that you can interact with on your own time. And that would be so cool. It sounds like a fun process. This whole thing. It sounds like a lot of fun. It's an adventure. And, you know, we need that. And what's wrong with getting a little weird anymore? I mean, look at the world again. It's going crazy. So you got to counter that. The only answer to crazy is more crazy in my book. That's right. Absolutely. And, you know, crazy doesn't mean bad. It doesn't mean harmful. Crazy can be all kinds of things. And uh, and this fits the bill, absolutely fits the bill. And, again, this is a rapidly growing phenomenon that is spreading out there in the world very quietly, right under our noses. You could have your neighbor next door could be hanging out with their tulpa, having deep, amazing conversations right now and we don't know it your boss might have one uh and you don't know 
this is a great source for creativity also because the tulpas are sentient, autonomous beings. So look, uh, for a person like me or you, Isaac, who has a creative type of a job, perhaps the tulpa could come up with ideas. Have you thought of doing this? Have you thought of doing that? Uh, if they are advanced beings of some kind, we just don't understand everything about them. I think, Isaac, there's a lot of research yet awaiting you on this subject. And if you learn more... I really would not mind uh, a show um, with whatever you find out, whatever wherever your research ends up taking you on the subject. I'd certainly love to hear more about it. I will be back to let you know all about it. I mean, this is a new field. The only research that even exists is what the research I found in this Discord server has. There's no official academic research and... So we're we're going into brand new territory. And, you know, it's funny because spirituality already has this down. Like people already understand it at a spiritual level and science is catching up, which, you know, I love that. But yeah, I'm I'm very excited to see what we find. It's going to be absolutely amazing. It's going to be an adventure of its own. Mm, yeah, I have a feeling that this is going to carry you. Uh, this is going to carry you quite far. And it's probably going to take you to uh, unexpected places and uh, <laughs> probably lead to other areas of research and on and on and on and so forth. So resurrecting or, or really bringing more awareness and popularity to an already ancient practice and having science look at it is just the thing. I mean, that to me is just exactly what the doctor ordered. And I know we went, we've gone a little overtime here, Isaac. Uh, but, you know, it's really um, a pure joy to be able to talk to you. And your enthusiasm for the subject is uh, is just wonderful to be near, actually. You know, just that. I'm going to end tonight with a smile on my face. And that doesn't well, that, that does happen. I don't want to be negative on my show uh, that way, but it's um, it's rare these days. So thank you. You've brought some happiness into my life and uh, my broadcast here. And look, at least three in my audience have now considered this entire phenomenon. And, and I, you've given them on the air here a couple of places where they can go learn more. Uh, which is great, and uh, I'm sure you would encourage them to do their own reading about it and uh, and see where their adventures take them. So, <laughs> well, I cannot wait, Heather. I'm I, I really love talking with you too. I mean, it's it's just amazing to have somebody who I can vent my my crazy ideas to, and I get them bounced back off of in even crazier ways. It's it's a really <laughs> awesome time every time we talk. So oh yeah, thanks, thanks for just being here with me to talk about this. It oh, was yeah. it was more fun than I can say. Oh, you're absolutely welcome. You know, um, I'm just gonna be the person that enables this brand of crazy. Uh, and Austin from Philly, I think, just wants to tell you thanks for a potentially life changing show. So you've done some good, Isaac, which was my whole purpose in getting on the air tonight. So uh, bless your strange psychedelic heart for coming on <laughs> the 
this is great. I'm gonna Nothing go do. Can make me happier. I'm gonna go do some more reading about it and get on that script. Write that script. You could make a million dollars with the with the Tulpa robot script. I'm on it. I'm gonna go trademark it right now. <laughs> <laughs> we need to start making movies about this phenomenon. Well, Isaac, I cannot wait until next time we get the chance to talk. I do want to let everybody know uh, that your website is thelucidtruth.com. And we've got this other web link, oratory of mysticalsacraments.org. If I recall, that is a website that facilitates the psychedelic experience. Um, Can you hear me? Yes, yes, they have they have the legal um, form where you can sign up and they'll tell you that you're a shaman and they'll even potentially send you um, some goodies in the mail. So mm-hmm. all 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 uh, all documented, too. They've got it stamped by a notary and everything, but they won't be able to send you any tulpas, unfortunately. Oh, well, that's something a person has to create on their own, which, again, you know, there's the old saying about, well, you you care more about things that you work hard for, and tulpas seem to fit right within that. If you work for it and you develop it and you put so much time and care to it naturally, it's going to be something that you uh, appreciate just a little bit more. So excellent all the way around, and I do encourage everyone to listen to thelucidtruth.com, listen to Isaac Lindenberger. He's always up to something weird. Uh, how often do you do shows, or are you even on, are you on, like, Psychedelic Time? You just do a show whenever? Yeah, I'm totally on Psychedelic Time. Whenever I, sometimes it's once a week, sometimes it's once every two months, so you get it when you get it, yep. <laughs> I'm jealous. <laughs> I wish I could oh, do that. <laughs> It's it's nice out there. It's nice. But sometimes I think I need to be a little more consistent. So maybe we can both get something from each other. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I really hope people listen to the interview with Bezel because it is just it's just amazing. But it will so. give so a lot of insight because what we've talked about here, it's better to go to that interview after listening to this one, because I feel like my audience was not given enough background. They were just like, what the heck? So <laughs> this is great. <laughs> Well, all right. Sounds very, very good. Well, you have a great rest of your morning over there. And again, thank you for being so generous with your time to uh, spend all this time with us tonight. And I, I encourage, I highly encourage you in your further research on this. Uh, don't hesitate. Go for it, Isaac, um, and follow that research wherever it takes you, uh, because you know you've got an audience at least right here and your own audience, of course. And think about this. The more you learn about this, the more shows out there are going to want you to come on and talk about it. So I think spreading the knowledge about tulpas is nothing but a good thing for the world. And uh, And just thank you for being the weirdo that you are. And thanks for having me on, Heather. It is always an adventure with you. I can't wait till next time. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, me too. I am very much looking forward to that. Isaac Lindenberg, everybody. We did go a little over, uh, but I guess that's quite all right in our world, at least. So I will wish everybody out there a good night. I've got, I've got my plate full. I wonder if I created a tulpa, if my tulpa could help me uh, with some of this work that I have to do on the show. I don't know. We'll see what we can do. But I hope we've given you something to think about.
I'm pretty sure we have. And enjoy your adventures. I'm going to want to hear about them if you're so inclined. And as always, please be good to each other out there. I will see you tomorrow night. And I'm going to spend my night and my day tomorrow just continually working on the show, planning up new shows, finding uh, the most interesting weirdos out there to have conversations with on the program. So be good to each other. And good night, my friends. Stay warm and stay weird.